if you remember, uh, fucking Jonah Hill did a great one on SNL. Uh, Jonah Hill, what was it called? Uh, Inside SoCal? Yeah, Inside SoCal. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Hold on, let's put this and watch together. All right, I'm going to see this. <laughs> this is up there with my favorite of all time, uh, SNL sketches. And there's two or three of these. All right, here All right, go. let's see this. Hey, my name's Saad. And I'm Casey. And, and, the, and you're watching Inside SoCal, where we give you the inside scoop on the SoCal lifestyle. <laughs> so good. Tonight, we're coming to you live from Keith's dad's condo, where he's having a nice little kickback. All right, so for our top story for tonight is Amanda Burns' little sister, Sarah, is moving back home. And I I heard she still looks good. I'd have to go with her for sure. Yeah, me too. I'm, all right, so in other news, uh, me, Andy Pierce, and Scott, uh, we want to start our own clothing line. All right, so now it's time for Meet the Boys. <laughs> Let's go, meet the boys, the boys, meet the boys. These are my boys. <laughs> the boys. Or actually, we have a developing story right there, because as you guys know, this year they're having the Oscars. Oh, yeah. So we're going to go to our boy, Chris Parker, who just came out of a movie. Because, and it's one of the movies, it's one of the Oscars. What up, Chris? Hey, what's up? So basically, I just came out of uh, Philomania or whatever. And at first, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a movie about old people. Uh, but by the end of it, I definitely was on board and thought, I guess old people are pretty tight. That's sick. For sure. That's sick. All right, so thanks, Chris. Now it's time for MVP of the night. MVP of the night. The MVP of the night. Tonight's MVP of the night is our boy Keith, who threw this kickback. So we're going to check in with Keith to see how he made this party. So, gangster. What up, Keith? Hey, what up? What up? What up? So, how did you make this party? Um, well, uh, I, I hit up my boy Corey, and that's how Bryce and them heard about it. All right. Okay. Nice. And Ian Hardman's obviously staying with Corey, so right. um, he came through. And then we just kind of hooked up the bomb-ass Carnito spread. <laughs> Hey! What's up, Mr. Andrews? You throwing a party? What's going on? It's just a kickback, Dad. It's just a what? It's just a kicker, dude. It's just a what? It's just a kicker. Everybody out. Get out of my house. I'm going to bed. All right, so it seems like maybe your relationship with your dad, like, isn't as, like, chill or tight as you want it to be or whatever. Yeah, no, I've always, like, looked up to my dad, and, like, he's always been, like, definitely the number one gangster in my life. It's just, like, sometimes I feel like I'm not, like, that sick of a son back towards him. <laughs> I said, get out of my house! All right, dude, we should, we should bounce, dude. All right. Like, All right. honestly, people should bounce. Now! Like, guys, right, so we gotta, yeah. like, bounce. Get out of my house! All right, so, uh, in the end, or, I guess, uh, home is where the heart is. All right, and, yeah, whatever. I guess, family comes first, so. So, there you have it. Uh, this has been Inside SoCal. Also, the clothing company I'm starting, I didn't say, but we're calling it Disrupt Industries. But it's gonna be more than just a clothing company because we want to do concerts. All right, clothing. peace. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> that I mean, and that's pretty much what uh, um, real bros of Simi Valley is like. And you said that you had friends like that. 
oh my god that's me and ryan ornstein and everybody in high school are you kidding me it's well it's exactly everything it, it really it really started uh, resonating with me uh and then when the guy said and my friends and i are starting a t-shirt business <laughs> reminds me of uh we had it all we had it all the way down to where we priced out a screen printing machine Whoa. dude yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh yeah, everybody priced out the screen. <laughs> oh dude, no actually, T- yeah. teeth hurt. And everybody's cousin had one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, thing I told you told you about it. It's called Teeth Hurts. Teeth Hurts. And the oh, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, the logo was a dude with this busted tooth. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we were always like, too. we're gonna have like a. a it was gonna be like a a button up shirt, but it was gonna have like a screen printed. Uh, uh, skeleton arm on the <laughs> oh, dude attic. No, 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 not Atticus. That that was affliction, right? That was like borderline Probably, affliction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so stupid, but um, but yeah. Oh man, uh, Inside SoCal, my favorite, one of my favorite SNL sketches. So much so that I did a React video and sent it to Ryan Ornstein. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still out here? He's in uh, um, Austin now. Okay. Yeah. But every time we get together, it's just basically talking about bomb ass carnitas spreads. <laughs> bomb ass carnitas. They got a nice shot of it too. I saw it on the bed of lettuce. It looks- yeah, man. <laughs> that's you got it from a really good cart. That's how Bryce heard about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bryce. Hey, Ian, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, everybody's rolling up to these parties all the time. And, uh, and every now and again, you'd get somebody's like, Younger sister or older sister that would roll through, and she was like the roller queen. <laughs> this is Jimmy Bud. <laughs> so glad you brought that through. one back around. Yeah, you rolled right through, baby. Through. Oh, I mean, I'm getting feedback from myself now. Mm, yep, yeah. you're sound fine to me. Oh, weird. Oh, now I'm okay. All right, for good. a minute though, I was uh, myself. Um, housekeeping. Oh yeah. I have a, a little bit of housekeeping. I have a YouTube comment. Oh, Andrew S. Young. Do you remember who Andrew S. Young was? No. I'll read I you don't. his comment You that it might provide some extra insight. Okay, this is awesome to see again. It was a blast putting this together. Original on the left. We spent a lot of time putting it together. It wasn't perfect, but so it was, uh, but so it was so fun. Also cool when these girls did a video too. Good times. Do you know who Andrew yep. S. Young is now? Yes, I do. <laughs> He's one of the dancing missionaries. Yes. Oh, I was so excited that he commented That's back. That's awesome, man. <laughs> I actually saw it near the end of the last episode. We were on YouTube looking at like probably what other person, what other covers, whatever video we were watching was. And I saw the little bell had gone off. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I was <laughs> so excited. I immediately like opened a new tab for today's episode, put this in the housekeeping right away. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and then um, somebody else hit... Somebody responded on Twitter. And for the most part, I don't really pay attention to the show notes other than like the three things that you'll list out that we sort of discuss on that episode and stuff like that. But I guess you had you had put um, Bleed American Deluxe for oh, yeah. whatever episode came out last weekend. Anyway, somebody. Had, so I was joking that is this going to be Bleed American Deluxe as well? But it's not on. Uh, this was not on a Bleed American no, Deluxe it's- episode. So. <laughs> Anyway, um, and then uh, I think we talked about we were on Sadie Hawkins pod. Yeah, we talked about it. Last we did. Week. Yes. We it right before this. So, um, yeah. Anything else? you have ah, Yes. Like? Not one hour ago. I just sent you six images from our oh. boy, Matt oh. Schlosser. 
messaged okay. us and said, Hello, gents. For years, I've owned the definitive illustrated Ooh. encyclopedia of rock, a tome destined for rock. clearance sections of bookstores. I happen to flip to page 420. Nice. And <laughs> nice. what do I see but a full-page photo of Jim with a blurb about the middle next to it. I wasn't sure what chapter this was, but I went to start, and it was One Hit Wonders with a smaller crop of Jim <gasps> picture right next to it. Makes me feel uh-huh. all the more justified Dude. that I was taking pictures of it to put on eBay. Rubbish, I tell you. I'm finally almost caught up. Oh, boy. Did I call him? Are we oh, God. <laughs> what was this called? Matt. <laughs> I, let's get Matt's on the phone now. Yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah right. I just clicked about the button, to man. Um, I'm gonna have to text him and say, "Hey, dude, sorry, it's one o'clock where you are." <laughs> I was wondering why this damn thing asked me to for the microphone. It's like, yeah, sure, I'm not gonna well, not allow button, the microphone dude? usage. What's it asking for? <laughs> the fucking ring. Oh. What's funny is I'm holding my phone in my hand. I was like, did I call somebody? <laughs> Shit. Sorry, Matt. Incredible. Oh, man. Um, All right. I noticed that on this page, I was like, oh, let me zoom in and see. And there's no blurb about Jimmy World on the page with his picture. But I did see new radicals. You get what you give. And I was like, "Uh oh, yeah, is there a picture of Jim next to this? Right. And I realized it's the one hit wonder section. I was like, hey, where many bands imploded or just did not have the legs for it. Jimmy World survived the mid 1990s. Grunge scene. The middle oh, was the second single from their 2001 Bleed American album, and it proved to be a worldwide smash and their biggest single to date. Once linked with grunge, now linked in the media at least to emo, Jimmy World still continue to ply their trade. Nice. And then goes Once on to talk about Gary from. Jules. That's what I was asking. So I think he said there's different versions, and his was from 2004 2005. Font, I was going to say 2003 with this one hit wonders font. But well, yeah, 2004, <laughs> this looks like uh, almost like the the tail end of the yearbook uh, into web design. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. That this whole... was definitely like, uh, yeah, whatever uh, clothing company we were talking about starting in high school. This was the font for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, his last image is him giving the big middle finger to one hit wonders because they were much more than that. <laughs> so much nice. more. And it's so funny. There's two pictures of Jim in this book. Both are the same image. They only licensed the one image. <laughs> yes they did copy paste make it a little smaller <laughs> you're right there it is oh man funny oh. interesting okay right, sweet thanks matt sorry yeah for thanks calling. matt <laughs> sorry for the butt dial dude <laughs> what's All that noise right, song? <laughs> what, what, did he text you back no it's just that oh, you okay. you said what's that noise <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange for the browser to be asking for microphone access. All right. <laughs> was it calling him on FaceTime? Like, what? It's, it used Google Voice. I'm in voice.google, Google so it's calling it, from it, our it. number. Um, 44 J <laughs> Yes. Oh, man. Um, all right. The song is Roller Queen. This is from the Jimmy Eat World 1998 EP, track five of five, released December 14th, 1998, uh, produced by Jimmy Eat World, this track, um, recorded at, I don't know, is <laughs> what I wrote, and there's no info on the in the liner notes, uh, written by Jimmy Eat World, uh, singer is Jim, featuring voice and sampler sounds, uh, Jim Adkins, um, uh, label... Fueled by Robin, FBR, 20. Uh, publishing, do I get a pickle with that? According to ASCAP currently, but originally it was an industry for outer space track. Yes, there is a demo 
uh what is it uh we've done this before yes what is it yes so and so there is a santa claus <laughs> yes li- dear listener there is a demo for this um there's also a discogs entry for it um there is an unreleased clarity demos vinyl pressing <laughs> um that somebody did uh blank cover with sticker maybe pressed in japan i remember we talked about this um and uh yeah this is included in that uh as a clarity demo and uh there's also a remaster that got published to youtube yeah that uh, one by sounds ceilings and floors so good <laughs> okay so i'm gonna cue that up for when we listen to that. yes we'll listen, please or, or to the demo we'll listen to that one okay according to setlist.fm they played this 12 times, all in 2007. One of Now, what's funny is it says, first played in concert July 18th, 2007 at Sunshine Theater, Albuquerque, New Mexico, USA. However, I have a performance that is a board record from March 8th, 2007. So at least 13 times they've played this. And the board record sounds so good. I did not listen. I didn't spoil myself. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but there's a board record from that oh, show. Man. I'm so excited to listen to it. Uh, most recently played it August 3rd, 2007 at Mesa Arts Center in Mesa, Arizona. Um, mo- notable high note of F sharp four, notable low note of F sharp three. Oh, also, sorry, real quick about uh, now I'm wondering. Hold on. August 3rd, 2007. A uh, European posted this. It's not March 8th, 2007. That is August 3rd, 2007. So they put 3807, but it's 8307 uh, for us oh, here yeah, in the yeah. US. Yeah. So never mind. I am uh, incorrect because I remember Jim in the video saying, oh, this guy must be on the internet. He knows what we're going to play next. Um, and uh, and so I was going to suggest that they played it even before March and at least enough for people to know that it was coming up in the set list. Anyway, 12 times, most recent, August 3rd, 2007, of which I have that performance board recorded. Uh, notable high note of, <laughs> this is interesting, I don't know if I've seen this, it's among the lowest notable high notes and among the highest notable low notes, and they're both just an octave apart. F-sharp 4 is a notable high note, and F-sharp 3 is a notable low note. It was interesting. So. I was watching the recording of him at the Milwaukee Pabst Theater, and uh-huh. I, you know we can talk about how many times we've heard this song and, and its a, and its effect on us. But I was just mesmerized by his performance. And then I also realized is that the one this is July twenty fourth or twenty seventh. Oh shoot! What does that one say? I think I muted this tab. Let me mute it just to go back. Sure. Let's just see. Milwaukee I'm, is twenty uh, fourth, July twenty yeah, fourth. There you go. Which I have here. It's a little tinny that recording, but yeah. it is. But I was still. I mean, in hearing him sing it, it's not that it, it wasn't. Uh, he wasn't stretching his his vocal cords for this one, right? So you're yeah, right. Yeah, no, this is pretty middle of the road. Yeah. And suggest and seeing as how the notable high note is high note is the lowest of the lowest notes that he's ever sung that were notable, and the notable low note is among the highest. Notable low notes he's ever yeah. sung. He does a lot of strong full notes. That just yes. I imagine that's why people, when you watch this being performed live, it just hits you. And <sighs> I would love to see him play it again. He didn't play it at Chain Reaction even, no. which is... Uh, I mean, yeah. he played other things in Chain Reaction they hadn't played in a long time. But anyway, um, uh, according to the last FM, 5,892 listeners have scrabbled this 27.5 thousand times, uh, two of which are from me, which is not a right number, but yeah, recorded... I've recorded, listened to this way more than that. Right. I've got 12, most of which, seven of them are in 2011, but I know I've listened to it more than that. Yeah. 
And then is this on Spotify? It's not it's on not, Apple man. Music. No, it's not. not. Okay. Um, so that's kind of neat. All right. And then um, a few other things. It's not on TuneBat, but I did want to point out the harmonics on this song. And I would be remiss if I did not point out one of my favorite songs that utilizes harmonics. Do you know the song? Is it a classic rock song or a newer one? Nah, it's you know, I wouldn't 90s know it skate punk. All right, this is it. It is called Harmonic from Unwritten Law's uh, first record. And this was when I started, when we started the band in high school. Ryan showed me this band and specifically this song, and I was like, yes. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of harmonics. I only just started playing a stringed instrument at all. This is what opens the record. It's such a great opening song. Isn't that like just great textbook nineties? Totally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially with that uh, the intro of the um, yeah. what is it? Oh man, it. Oh dude, I got it on my on my pedal board here. The flanger, the flanger sound that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and <laughs> this is you know, uh, you know what? We're getting toward the end of the pod. I'm going to do what I want to do. Do um, it. I always talk about this whenever we bring up Dude Ranch. Um, the harmonies on Dude Ranch don't exist on any other Blink record because Scott Russo of Unwritten Law sings the harmonies on most of Dude Ranch. And I want to play a little bit toward the end of this song when you hear Unwritten Law's harmonies and you'll be like, oh, that sounds like Dude Ranch. Very Dude Ranch. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you love Dude Ranch, listen to this unwritten law. I think it's just self-titled. It's what, you know, it, I don't know how you describe this. It's a sphinx with a the unwritten law star behind it. Um, but yeah, great record. And uh, anyway, had to talk about the harmonics. Uh, tons of harmonics on this. And then, okay, the sound at two minutes. Yes. I mean, we know that coming from the old analog world of like, right plugging your CD player into the car and having uh, the the aux cable, uh, if you didn't, if it was worn out over time and you didn't have it positioned in just the right way, it sounded like that on the song. Um, I did reach out to Jim to see, uh, both Jim and Zach, to see if they had any, uh, not specific to that sound, but I imagine that if they had anything to say about the song, that that sound, that effect right now would come up yeah, um when i listen and I'm to wondering it, how they did it when i listened to it i had the same exact thought process as you my mind mm-hmm. went to that sound of when something is not completely and the ring is not you know engaged and you can just move it but 
when it started the second half of it, when you hear that, um, when you hear this, the intensity of the, of the, the static affecting the sound that's actually being played, the guitar, the harmony, mm, the harmonics, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is what I thought what he was doing. So now on the other piece of, if you go on to, you're looking at the image, the images of this insert, and you're looking at the page where it had, there it is, Jim Adkins' voice and sounds. That's what you had noted earlier, right? If you go to uh, the page uh-huh. before that, I believe it, and it's got Tom in the foreground, the other three band members behind him in that, it's like a wooden thing. Uh, you can see it says, uh, uh, Roller Queen, recorded by Jimmy World, all songs published on an industry for outer space, ASCAP, radio and playback machine by Jim Atkins. What I think happened was mm. he did something that I've done when, yeah, you have like a cheap equipment and like, let's say you merge two, you, you merge two sounds into one input, one mono. They can't mm-hmm. both be there at the same time. So if one's louder mm. than the other, then it will overtake that so if two people are talking the louder person is going to overtake that other person so what i think he was doing is he was fiddling around with this um maybe it was with an eight track that he had he had recorded radio static on and was just as he was playing it in it was just a tad louder i don't know if he was actually turning the knobs if he was getting that creative with it but that's what Mm -hmm. i think he actually did was he took he took a sound the the audio that uh, that static from the radio that he had captured and was playing it over it. And then they probably just cut that part and spliced and did the, when it goes back in after the static stops. Yeah. It comes in right on. The oh point. yeah. It does. Yeah. Boom, boom. It's boom. very intentional. Yeah. yeah. But I think he was just fiddling, fiddling around with it. And at this point they're doing, they're doing actual two inch tape, right? So I can't imagine they have too much time to fiddle with. It's, it costs money when you're sitting there mm-hmm. screwing around with stuff, but I, my my thought is that he was actually messing around with merging sounds into into the playback and whatever it was it came out cool and they used it for that part of it yeah man right before 2 minutes that's yeah. what i think it is but you're right for the old school people yeah it does sound like somebody's just barely putting in the headphone jack yeah or it's in and the uh you know that little uh that little piece that is supposed to reinforce the cable going into the jack. Yeah. But the if the cable's frayed underneath that and you don't have that cable positioned just right because it's just starting to get worn out, the connection is just weak uh of the cable into the connector and that's you get you get a similar sound that way too. Yeah. And also, you know, another since we're talking about uh audio fa- audio phasing. We'll call it, we'll call it audio phasing. Yeah. Uh, uh, analog audio phasing. Right. So I took you guys along, right? On on Discord I was pulling apart my fender twin and uh-huh. cause it was all, it was net. I mean, it, it was a gift to me. It was a nice thing, but it just needed to be cleaned out. So I took all the, the little pots apart and, and used contact cleaner and all that stuff mm-hmm. and put it in there. But before I did all that, anytime you moved any one of the knobs, like once you stopped moving it, it was fine. But that moment that you moved it, it would go <laughs> and just yeah. have this really noisy static sound and, you know, if the thing's cranked to four or five, it's like I can't, I couldn't handle that if I was turning it around. But uh, that could have also been it. Like it was just like a dirty, a dirty input or a dirty knob, dirty pot, any one of those things. Dirty pot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, what a cool sound, and I, so many people remark about that one. Oh, okay, good. Um, yeah, I stayed off of Reddit because I figured that's your domain, but I figured that might be where they <laughs> they be talking about it. Um. So I will say before uh, to round out the structure and before we get into lyrics, this is a song that is pure vibe for me. 
could not tell you what this song is about, so I'm excited to read along. I have the liner notes scanned in, hi res. I will follow along with that. Uh, All right. I assume you're going to be going off of uh, what it says on Genius or wherever you sourced your lyrics from. Yes. Um, and, and it yeah, wasn't it says, hard for me to hear him saying these lyrics, so I don't. And I, I looked at the liner notes before we hopped on just to see. And that's when I came across that whole radio noise and. Yeah, and I will sounds. say in the liner notes it says Jim Atkins voice and sounds, and there's no one else credited to the song. Right. And I did come across somebody. And the Facebook group saying, oh, I think I've, I read somewhere that it was all Jim and no one else. Liner notes suggest that it's all Jim, no one else. Yeah. 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 And with the creativity on it, I, I believe it 100%. All right. So we ready to jump into this? Let's do it. All right. This is Roller Queen. So I always had, I always had uh, a thought that this was about roller skates, roller, you know, like a roller derby or mm-hmm. what is it? Roller rink. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. So I always uh, had this picture, and the image that I had in my head, I want to say is, oh, that that I think it's the first and only whole album, but it's that picture of the oh, of yeah, the yeah, woman yeah. holding the mm-hmm. with with the makeup dripping yeah. down. She's crying. That's the image that I I saw in my nice. head. It's just this this woman that's just yeah, something yeah, outstanding. I think there are multiple whole records, but everybody yeah. knows the one. Yeah, I hot take. I prefer that first whole record to. Almost any entire Nirvana record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really well done. She, yeah. she she has had her share of, uh, uh, you know, I don't think scandals is the right word, but, yeah, you know, did some issues that she's had to go through, but she had a really good band. Yeah, I love, I, I love that first whole record. So good. Yeah. Okay, so these are the lyrics for Roller Queen. Um, I feel like the whole verse goes together. I didn't break it up in in half. Um, I have a block of text. So. Right. <laughs> so I'll start. I when no, I stop talking, I <laughs> that's when the verse is over. So there's only a couple of verses um, and really one chorus and then I guess you could call it like an outro or, or the, the end here. So this is verse one. I blame it on my entrance. It may have seemed too much like confidence. Let me start it over. Help me get to what I can from when I did. Gosh, it's so it's so hard not to sing it like him. Help me get to yeah. what I can from when I did. But that's how I hear it in my head. Uh, and for these lines here, I think he's pursuing a girl that's either out of his league or he genuinely lacks confidence in situations like this. Maybe he just tried something out of character and he's kind of hung up on it. You know how you, you do something mm-hmm. and you do that, uh, you, you try to impress the girl and you go, God, so stupid. It was, it's the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's the Chris Farley interviewing, yeah, yeah Paul McCartney. Stupid, stupid. Uh, us interviewing Jim. <laughs> yeah, right. You just think you get so hung up on it, and, they're, and in yeah. their eyes, they're going, "This is no, this is no big deal. Just continue on, be confident." Um, or maybe he's a different person from the start and realizes that he can't keep up. He wants to go back to the beginning and start over. Maybe either they're he's trying to court this girl, or they've been in a relationship and he's just looking back, reflecting on how. Maybe he was acting incorrectly and should have been truthful from the start. So so far, was that is that what you've read in that block of text? Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm into that. The, I'm seeing right. this all for the first time. It's okay. as if I didn't know what he was saying. Okay, I felt it. <laughs> so after help me get to what I can from when I did, we have the chorus. All that I know is how I can hold on. All that you see is how I let go. Man, two lines, beautiful. Two points of view here, and I think all he sees in is himself trying to get her to hold on to her and not 
let her go. And maybe he made a mistake with something that he did or said, and that's all she can see now. Mm -hmm. She doesn't see past this and who he is as a person. All you see is how I let go, how I've messed up. But all I know is how I can hold on. I've never given up on this. And then in parentheses here, I don't know if you have the parentheses in your liner notes, but it says, take me back, please. Is that in there at all? After how I let go? Double checking, is it somewhere buried within the paragraph? No. Okay, so this is in parentheses, and it's something that he kind of says under, uh, not under his breath, but you, I, I guess maybe they put it in parentheses because it's not in the liner notes. So take me back, please. Uh, and that's at 148. And that's right before that amazing moment, that static that we just talked about. So take me back, please. And then it goes into that booty. And the radio and playback machine by Jim Atkins. Yep. <laughs> Boom, 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 boom. Oh, man. It's it's beautiful. And then we have verse two. Second verse here. Had to leave my reasons. It may have seemed too much. The consequence. And in in your busy, dizzy life, you will become everything you said you would. Um, I think he's trying a bit too hard. Maybe to justify his actions. And is the consequence... Them moving further apart. Is that what he's yeah, talking about? It may so, have seemed yeah. too much, the consequence. Um, she's a busy person, and he wants to be included, but she doesn't have time for him. And all these things that she said to him that she'd make for herself, you know, like being a professional, moving up, uh, living that perfect life, will eventually come true. I think that's his um, consolidation or uh, is just saying that I want the best for you. I'm, I'm going to wish the best. Even though this didn't work out for us and I want to hang on, it seems like you've moved on or are out of my league and don't want a part of me. Uh, and that's what I believe he's saying in verse two. Uh, then we have the chorus again and this beautiful, beautiful final line that Jim says. after the So a verse, chorus, take me back, please. And then verse, chorus, and then so how about once around? It's, <laughs> it's just so... It's it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's it's genuine. It is. It seems melancholy. Yeah, melancholy and innocent. So how about once around? It's saying, look, let's just put aside all of the issues that we've had. Would you would you take another loop with me? Can we do yeah. this again? I, I'm willing to take the cycle of pain just to be with you. So please take a chance on me. And yeah. in that one line, after all that he's said before this, that preceded this. And so how about once around <laughs> and then about s- three or four minutes of just, yeah, you know, Sonic I'm send you a <laughs> screenshot here of the liner notes. I want to talk about the uh, formatting here because I believe this is our last track on this EP. It is. Um, what do you call this justification? It's center justified, but also um, blocked. So that, Look how long, look how big the gap is between once and around. Right. Right. And it's, oh, the, yeah. The kerning is coming between words, not between letters. Like newspapers will do it sometimes where they, they want it to be that perfect width of the column, but they'll space out the letters to make it fit. This is kerning on the word um, or the space between the words. So basically, uh, for the listener, it says, how about on the line above? Then it says once all the way to the left justification and then a huge gap and then around question mark is right justified on the same line. And then below it, you can see another 
example of this. Jim, space, right. Adkins, colon, voice, space, and space, sounds. <laughs> right. Now, this is what, it's just, you would call that justified. I, I, it, it doesn't it matter. It to be some justification. Like, if you're in a Word document or you're in a Google Docs document and you want it to look like this, you would go to the justification dropdown and choose the the one that has the perfect square of text exactly. lines. But what is that called? Justified. It's just justified. Because well, it's, it's, just it's not called justified. It's just called justified. Yeah. Mm. Now, there is something looking at when I was working in InDesign, you would have this option and you could go down and tweak it so this didn't happen. But really, by default, there's very simple requirements for um, justification because what it needs to do at, at the very least is is whatever's on line nine if there's mm-hmm. two words it's got to put one of them on the left one of them on the right mm. and my thought is that this maybe this was just an early publication tool like quark or something mm-hmm. that i don't know when this this was what uh 98 so yeah. maybe quark or whatever it's funny i don't know remember the name of the company that did the layout it, actually i might have it uh handy but i remember david brown is the one that did it and i was like i went to college with somebody named david brown. i don't know if you knew dave brown but um uh, I, did. I did not know dave brown dave brown's cool uh, <laughs> uh, i'm gonna see if i can figure out uh who did the lab but anyway quark or something like that you're, you're yeah is what i'm thinking and they just didn't either they they wanted to leave it as basic as possible because look they're yeah. they're intentionally doing everything lowercase that was the direction maybe that oh, jim it, gave it, them layout and design by box canyon david brown and grant renero rain um but box canyon everything is very boxy with the way that <laughs> yeah it's just uh it's it's just straight justified and it would be the same if it was in if it was like like Chinese that's going from right to left. It would yeah. do the same thing and just draw it across whatever the whatever that text frame is. It's going to go from left to right or right to left. Oh, and it's um, interesting. It does credit Radio and Playback Machine by Jim Adkins, but only over here on this page of the right. liner notes, not next to the song itself. Right, which is just it. I yeah, that's why I think that he had he brought in something else. That he's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm bringing in this. It's like we, are, yeah, we're a band. We play these instruments, but I'm actually bringing in this equipment that I want well, to play back on was? this one. I thought it was crediting him, radio and playback machine. Ba- Interesting. It says radio and playback machine, which is the cover of the out of the EP. Oh, a maybe that's what it is. Uh, and a playback machine. Then it so it says radio and playback machine by Jim hmm. Atkins, band shop by Paul Drake. Um. So yeah, interesting. Huh. Gosh, that radio on there. It looks just like the one from uh, Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah, totally. I always, in my head, it's a, it's a, uh, like a JCM 900 or something. It's not yeah. a radio. Like if I were to picture this album art in my head, it's a, yep. it's a guitar head. It's not a radio. exactly. And it's just a vintage one. It's one that's white. It's not, mm-hmm, or like, yeah. a, like an acoustic, uh, colored yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. It is. It's just, it's basically the, uh, the coconut powered radio from, from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, so anyway, uh, there you have it. Those are the lyrics. Yeah. So how about once around? Yeah. And it is justified. <clears throat> um, shall we listen to the demo? Yes. And yes, let's, please. let's take a listen specifically to if take me back, please is in the demo. And if, um, I'll go to the remaster and if, um, jump to a time here what time was it i jumped uh, 2051 okay 2051 let me put this in watch together uh and if the tape effect 
or radio or cable effect is on there. Twenty. I got twenty fifty one on here. that's an overdub or do you think he pulled it off it sounds like he's going between the two strings with the pick I don't know that's tough man it's tough but it sounds like it these are different lyrics Piano. Mm. Listen to the pick pattern right here. I think it's doable. Oh, so here's the first verse. different there was no tape sound and I did not hear take me back please I heard some sort of vocalization before that break but Somebody had said this was like proto Goodbye Sky Harbor. And I definitely yeah. hear this is the Goodbye Sky Harbor chord progression right here. I definitely hear some piano way in the distance. This part sounds like a death cap song. (laughs) 
this is we're doing over on Patreon our uh, favorite fall albums. This is fall feels oh, for sure. I was listening to this walking around with like looking at twinkly Christmas lights in my neighborhood. There's so many sounds underneath. You don't even know we're there until like, you just yeah. isolate them in your head. Here's what ceilings and floors did. The source tape was a bit muffled, so I decided to try and give these demos a bit of a remaster. This was mainly just EQ to brighten it up and speed correction. The original tape was about 1.5% too fast. I also reduced some clicks and did some noise reduction in quieter parts. I like some crickets there for a second. Jeez. Mm. The video consists of the only recordings that were not released. The other officially released Clarity demos like Secret Crush and those that did not appear on the tape, such as the other Your New Aesthetic demo and Sweetness can be found elsewhere in much better quality. Most of these tracks were mono in the Source MP3s, possibly taken from one channel of a stereo mix, which may explain why the lead vocals sound too low at times. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, ceilings and floors. Yes, man. Ceilings Hard and floors. Hard to find stuff. Um, now, what was I going to say? Uh, boo, 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 boo. Now we'll listen to the live one when it's time. Um, all right. I don't have much in way of track notes. I have two archived website posts. Okay. Awesome. Um, the first is from a time, I want to say 2012. This is... Uh, invented era website proto damage and it's loading it's loading here we go um this says uh it's listed in the single section of the uh website at the time self-titled ep release 12 1498 label other interesting format slash editions single so i guess that just is why it's named a single it's a seven inch um or this is a 10 inch sorry um release date December 14th, 1998. Interesting. Here's another right beneath what I just read to you is a different format of the same information. Release date, December 14th, 1998. Label fueled by ramen credit slash info produced by Mark Trombino and Jimmy Eat World. Uh, this is for the full EP. Uh, notes, five songs, two of which are on Clarity and three unreleased songs only be available on this release. Only be available on this release. And that's true. Um, although Softer ended up on Bleed American Deluxe, but Roller Queen right. did not. Uh, I know of all. I mean, I like Softer, yeah. but I thought about oh, that too. Why? And there's two comments on this post, but the, the Wayback Machine did not crawl the comments. Ah. I wanted to see what they were. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. uh, what were you going to say? Oh, I don't know if I was going to say anything. Just that Roller Queen didn't end up somewhere in Softer. Did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wish they would just have added that on. Not that I would want to replace Softer, but I do like Roller Queen more than Softer, <laughs> I have to say. Now, so the stuff that I came across, there were some some of the the typical haunts that uh, these these songs show up on. Other ones were a little, little um, fuzzy. Punknews.org. Oh. Did have that the page finally loaded? They updated. <laughs> they gave in. They told the man, "They're like, all right, you know what? We'll pay you your money for your certificate." <laughs> and the problem was, is that the the cached page that I had loaded in case they didn't they didn't uh, renew uh-huh. their certificate uh, didn't load the comments, and that's actually where 
Roller Queen came up. Yeah. I I had in my notes like no, it doesn't even mention this song. Why did this come up in search results? Yeah, this was an Albin Paul article or post, I guess rather. It's very short. Uh, Sixteen years ago, Jimmy rolled to reissue Clarity Static Prevails. Um, according to Alternative Press, Jimmy World will be reissuing their first two albums, both 1996's Static Prevails and 1998's Beloved Clarity are slated for reissue. Each disc will include rarer and previously unreleased material as chosen by the band themselves. The Clarity issue reissue will include Christmas card from the band's split 7-inch with Blueprint and a demo version of Sweetness. The Static Prevails reissue will have 77 satellites. What would I say to you now from the band's Split seven inch with Jay June and the cover of the wedding presents Spangle tacked on. The band continu- continues to work on their fifth studio album and follow up to 2004's Futures and 2005's Stay on My Side Tonight EP. And the comment shows up. Is it in the main thread? I do believe so. So uh, this guy Colin, 16 years ago, says clarity over, and he's just saying that the oh, the greater than uh, clarity uh-huh. is greater than anything I've ever heard, but not. That hard to find Static Prevails is fucking amazing too. But why not reissue the singles collection? I'd say master some of the Clarity demos, the untitled song that didn't make it, the rewritten Your New Aesthetic, the Roller Queen combined with For Me This Is Heaven, and put those on. Spangle and what would I say to you now are fucking ace though. <laughs> uh, nice words. And then Falling Upwards 84 says, wow, you haven't heard much, have you? Uh, just a bunch, bunch of whiny people in this thread here. So that's all. I, that's finally what came up on punknews.org. Um, there is something from Stereo Gum. So oh. Stereo Gum, uh, it's it's sort of it's sort of Roller Queen adjacent here. So this is Clarity Turns Twenty. This is February twenty second, twenty nineteen, by Ian Cohen, uh, and they are just talking about there have always been many ways to hear Jimmy World's Clarity, your favorite streaming service, the two thousand seven reissue, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the tenth anniversary tour. Um, they're going through track by track and kind of talking about just how they sound. So there's a couple of paragraphs here where they talk about, uh, they mention Roller Queen. So on Table for Glasses, the strings and literal bells and whistles are the whole thing. A full-on orchestral version of Jimmy World that sounds positively lavish, rendering Static Prevails and even the magnificent Roller Queen from their 1998 EPS mid-fi by comparison. I still can't get over how much the bass booms once the drums come in. So referencing it there in uh, their conversation about Table for Glasses. And then uh, further down, you're not bigger than this, not better. Why can't you learn? He sings on Lucky Denver Mint. And this was supposed to be the breakout hit. At the behest of their A&R, Jimmy World preempted their already completed sophomore album with a teaser EP that included Lucky Denver Mint, two other songs that were intended for clarity. For me, this is heaven, a demo of your new aesthetic, and two of their strongest deep cuts, Softer, Roller Queen. It was the first major success for the right... Label that released it, a Florida indie partially commandeered by less than Jake's drummer called Fueled by Ramen. Success for Fueled by Ramen uh, in 1998 meant being able to afford office space in Tampa. <laughs> I feel like we read that before. Yeah, we I have. That. Definitely. I remember that blurb. Yeah. Uh, I also came across another Angel Fire. Was it Angel Fire last time? I, I think so. I think so. This was another one. Uh, it looks like somebody posted individual... Uh, 18 to 20 plus track uh, playlists here. So they would do October to December 2001, and they'd have songs on it like Eve Six's Promise, Jewel, <laughs> Standing Still, uh, Newfound Glory, Sincerely Me. Well, they did Love have 30. I, yeah. All the way. I, some of these take you back, man. Fuel Shimmer is one of my all-time favorite 
I know that a lot, a lot of people think, oh, that's a little too emo for me. I love Shimmer by Fuel. I don't know. it. No? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, June of 2002, volume four of this playlist here on, uh, they have three Jimmy World songs. Jimmy World 122395 in the first spot. Uh, Jimmy World Table for Glasses in the fifth. And then uh, track 12 is Jimmy World Roller Queen, sitting alongside the Get Up Kids Red Letter Day. Uh, further Seems Forever February Tie, the Get Up Kids Michelle with One Eye, <laughs> Juliana Theory Constellation. I mean, these are, I never really made individual playlists like this. I, I would do mixtapes and stuff, but this is kind of cool. It's nostalgic to go through and just kind of pick uh, Jimmy World 17, Jars of Clay, Love Song for a Savior, Coldplay in My Place. <laughs> Ooh, Weezer falling for you. It's almost like they have really deep cuts and then everything else that we've all we've all listened to. Boxcar Racer, I feel so. June yeah. 2002, volume 1. <laughs> yeah. So it showed up there on this rocket, a music log uh, on Angel Fire. Now, the the proper places, there's Uprox had two lists or I'm sorry, Uprox had a list. The best Jimmy World songs ranked Ranked, Ian Cohen, February 16th, 2021, so Ian Cohen again. Uh, at spot 25, Roller Queen, Jimmy World EP, 1998. Both of Jimmy World's releases that were intentionally self-titled are nowhere to be found on streaming and pretty hard to find in general. In the case of 1994's Jimmy World, likely because they sort of embar- they're sort of embarrassed by it, I imagine 1998's Jimmy World EP has caught up some legal or publishing rigmarole, released mm-hmm. On an imprint then best known for being run by a guy from Less Than Jake. Jimmy World mostly existed to give Lucky Denver Mint a trial run. And once it got some spins on K-Rock, the release did enough numbers to allow Fueled by Ramen a bigger office space in Jacksonville. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned it again. Nowadays, Jimmy World is worth seeking out solely for Roller Queen, a slow motion space race with no real equivalent in Jimmy World's catalog. They've dabbled in lengthier songs on Static Prevails with Anderson Mesa playing the role of epic closer and digits more of a prog rock like sweet. But with Roller Queen, there's no real hook, no real structure aside from a slow, steady crescendo interrupted by bit crushing production tricks. Imagine if they made their low-level owl instead of clarity or veered off into becoming a digital post-rock act on more music. Uh, Nothing in Jimmy World's catalog conjures up as much fascinating alternate history as the least heard song on this list. You're right, right, man. This is... uh, That's a low-level owl. That's an Appleseed cast. uh, Is that what it is? I was like, what a weird thing to say. And I was like, it's got to be the name of a record. And the Appleseed cast is probably very much something that this uh, article writer is into yeah <laughs> well here let's see this last mention here is on brooklyn vegan i love a good brooklyn vegan uh jimmy eat world's 10 best deep cuts andrew satcher september 7th 2022 so very recently yeah uh, wow. it's, it's not often that the world gets treated to a band like jimmy world They've had the same four-piece lineup for over 25 years and three of those four members for nearly 30. They've never gone more than a few years without a new album, never went on hiatus. I don't know about that. And they've remained a consistently strong band, both live and both live and in the studio, whether the radio and MTV and the music press was paying attention or not. And then going down, talking about um, the middle. Well, it's funny because you mentioned the never went on hiatus thing and you're like, yeah, well, because, yeah, it's funny. They did go on hiatus, but they never broke their exactly release cadence right <laughs> so that, that they're just an astounding band that took some me time and yeah. still put out a freaking album 
Uh, right on time. So let's see. They've oh yeah. So the ten best deep cuts. So there's a list of ten on here, and Roller Queen shows up right in the middle at number five. Uh, Roller Queen from Jimmy World EP 1998. As legend has it. Capitol Records almost shelved Jimmy World's now classic clarity and, in the process, they suggested the band release an EP. So Jimmy World put out a self-titled EP with two clarity songs, one clarity demo, and two non-album tracks in 1998. It was released on Field by Ramen, which was still a few years from becoming a label. We all know it was. Uh, we all know it as. One of those non-album tracks was Roller Queen, a song that's every bit as good as the material that did end up on Clarity. It's nearly, it's a nearly seven-minute slow burner, the kind of meditative, post-rocky emo song that Jimmy Eat World would do only a few other times in their career. And they do this kind of thing just as well as they do the three-minute crowd pleasers. It's the kind of song that totally engulfs you and puts you in a daze that lingers even after the song's final fade-out. That is so true. I listen to it and I go, I want to listen to this again and get lost in that space. Like you said, it's a vibe. It's a total vibe. And you may have, you may not have known what he was saying and that doesn't matter. Neither did I until I went through the lyrics and Mm -hmm. just listening to it again. I got lost when you were setting stuff up and sending me (laughs) updates on what time we were going to start recording. And I just listened to it over and over again. And I just thought I could do this all night. This is great. Yeah. Uh, So that's, that's what I got as far as uh, articles. Nice. Um, yeah. All right. I got a couple more things. One is from uh, older Jimmy E. World website. This is right at the turn of the century. Uh, this is an EP available on CD and 10-inch vinyl from Fueled by Ramen. It consists of five songs, two of which will be on our new record, Clarity, and three unreleased songs that will only be available on this release. The album tracks were produced by Mark Trombino along with the band, and the other three songs are produced and recorded by Jimmy Eat World. It is available through cdnow.com and Saul Goodman MD, which is <laughs> funny because it's way before Better Call Saul, so I don't I guess that's just them making a Saul Goodman. Saul joke. Goodman. <laughs> Saul Goodman. Um all right, Up Rocks had us a top 30 Jimmy Eat World songs. That um, was the one that this, I, I went through. I'm did sorry. Did you really I, read this? Yeah, I didn't realize you had the Up Rocks. Yeah. Did you say Up Rocks, though? I did. Yeah. Oh. Right before Brooklyn Vegan. Oh. Oh. I didn't hear the publication. All right. So, um, yes, there was that. And then uh, this is... Oh, how can I get you to say this number? Um, I like doing the... Let me give you some facts about this. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, I like a challenge. List of major news events in history. Okay, I'll start from 10 and work my way up to number one. All right. Number 10, Operation Moses, a secret operation by Israel to airlift thousands of Jewish Ethiopian refugees out of Sudan happened this year. Michael Jordan is named as the NBA's Rookie of the Year. The popular film The Color Purple premieres. Nintendo releases the NES in North America markets in October. Route 66 is removed from the U.S. highway system. The Greenpeace ship Rainbow Warrior is sunk when French agents plant a bomb on the hull. The United Kingdom and Spain agree to reopen the border between Gibraltar and Spain. The eastern half of North America is hit with an exceptionally cold winter, one of the worst in recorded history. Uh, Number two, the Coca-Cola company introduces new Coke. And number one, Live Aid Aid pop concerts in Philadelphia and London raise over $50 million for famine relief in Ethiopia. All right. Now, my gut wanted to say wanted to go with 88 but there's no way you would have missed the hint for that one right 
So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and guess by oh, getting right. me to say 88, right? In, right. Uh, I'm gonna go with 87. And uh, it's not, but I'm interested in what you're. Are you the just Nintendo? Darts right. When was the Nintendo? NES releases in North America markets during October of this year. October? Was According it thepeoplehistory.com. Ah, no. I, I Well, Michael let me, Jordan, let me, I want to say like 91. Let me do a checking. NES. 91? North America <laughs> release was... Okay, after this year showing it, CES oh, had a limited release. It stormed America the following February, but so it, but it did come out in the previous year. And I'll, uh, I'll, I, I would guess October of this year. 85? I will say it was released in Japan in 83. That, that early? Because I'm looking up here. It's so wild that it was out there for that long. Yeah. Um, What was the number? 84? No, I never gave it to you. It's 85. It was 85. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 my tabs. My tabs. Uh, Roller <laughs> Queen also appeared. Uh, this is J.K. O'Donnell's number 85. I, I Roller figured, Queen I figured. <laughs> also appeared on the aforementioned Fueled by Ramen EP. In the course of my research, I discovered that this EP was actually their first successful release and allowed them to move into their first office space in Tampa. So there's that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's a much different song. Then softer, and without a doubt hinted at the weird studio places they were about to go with clarity. The extended rep- repetitious outro of Roller Queen could be viewed as a precursor of another more famous song with an extended repetitious outro that they were about to release <laughs> that I will discuss in depth in part two. Um, so that is GT O'Donnell's number 85. Yeah. He also links it to Goodbye Sky Harbor. Um... All right. Um, I have this in additional links. I found two other bands called Roller Queen. Um, I'm going to send you a link to one because it's on Spotify, and I'll queue up the other because I think one, it's yeah. only on Apple Music. Did you come across these bands? I did, yeah. I did listen to it. Uh, it's a cool little purple logo, right? With uh, That sounds right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. There it is. It got, yeah. So Two monthly is, listeners. All right. <laughs> a whole two uh, cool track we can listen to a little bit up to the chorus and then uh, okay. i'll uh, i'll get the other one ready okay so let's listen to their top track big yellow smiley face here it is Is this like kids music, dude? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So it says two monthly listeners. Uh, put a lemon in it. A Jesse Early Music Baby, Nashville, Tennessee. The other song is Suns Out, Funs Out. So it sounds kind of like it could be kids but this might be one of oh, those you know, where it's funny i think you played the other uh band so the other one i didn't think was on uh spotify i thought it was only on uh, apple music but what was the name of that, that song that was called big yellow smiley face by roller right. queen yeah 
All right, let me see. Yeah. He, okay. Yes. 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 So that is the roller queen that I was. Uh, that's the other one. The, the link I sent you is the other roller queen. <laughs> oh, is this all one word? Roller queen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I see. That's open oh, Spotify. Yeah. And I like the other song. The other one I found it was Kid Penny featuring Roller Queen. That that song's really good. Called Happy Days. Huh. Oh, it's even got the harmonics in there. Yeah, man. <laughs> so this is a different Roller Queen than the one you just played. Right. This is Roller Queen. The other one was Roller yep. Queen. This feels like California Wives or Oh yeah. Like uh Josh's band. Four monthly listeners this band alt, alt this rock band, band. Loves the cure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> In the best way. No, yeah, no yeah, way, right? Just very much love the gear. Yeah, man, oh, that's cool. Isn't that Weezer sound there? They got the the Moog. Yeah. I like these guys. Yeah, man. I like All right. that. And then lastly, going into songs called Roller Queen, the band Naked Raygun has a song called Roller Queen. Right. You, this? you found that on Bandcamp, right? I did, yeah. <laughs> and Naked Raygun, I know from the Blink song, Parking Lot. So I'm going to play a little bit of that. Because <laughs> that's right. one of my favorite songs. Um uh, this is from the uh, California Deluxe Edition. So this is the first track on CD number two for California. But I'll play a little bit of Parking Lot because they mentioned Naked Ray Gun right at the beginning. Anyway, Naked Ray Gun, <laughs> live at the Cabaret Metro. So here's Naked Ray Gun with their song. Yes. Released January 1st, 1984 from the album Throb Throb. Big lady knew it's time to come with me. Because I got tired and I was 
Yeah, that's challenging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I know I bring up the uh, Dave Grohl's book, The Storyteller, a lot. I'm yeah. almost done with it. So Great close. Book. It is. But he talks about uh, seeing going to visit his cousin in Chicago. And then the very that's first... Right. The very first uh, show that he goes to is Naked Ray Gun in 1982 yeah. when he was 13 years old at Chicago's Cubby Bear. So, mm-hmm. God, the right. full circle, man. So, yeah, Rat Patrol did a cover of it. History of Bull Weevils did a cover of it. I believe the Combustioneers played it, too. Let me, did you watch, the, did you see the Combustioneers playing Roller Queen on YouTube? Uh, no, I didn't. Let's see if it's no. the same song. This has a. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that same song. <laughs> no. A cover of that, but it's a song, uh, the Combustioneers playing Black Leather Roller Queen uh, is the name of that. And does this band not look like they should be on the? No Huey, no Lewis, no thanks. Oh yeah, uh, totally, that man. Page? <laughs> These guys probably play the uh, the Rancho Simi Recreation Park District oh, yeah, every totally. year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's another band called R.E.D. that did a rendition of it. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Uh, R.E.D. was these guys, uh, their initials. I love the the video footage here; is great. Uh, Rod, Eric, and Darius. Yeah, and it says. A song about Carl lyrics by Eric. Song constructed by Red. Ooh, man. 1990. Can you tell? These are sick. Yeah, right? <laughs> These effects. <laughs> this sounds like something Jim would be into. This makes me think of Deep Purple. <laughs> well, he looks like a he looks like a tennis dad, though. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I'm looking and I don't disagree. <laughs> oh my god! Ken Burns effect. Ken Burns effect. Ken Burns effect. Incredible. <laughs> Dude, Rod, Eric, and Darius kicking ass. Yeah. Dang. Red. That sounded great. Um, and lastly, there's <laughs> Laser Beam on Bandcamp with their song, Roller Queen, from the Man in the House EP. And again, I was just hoping it was going to be a, an odd cover. But... She's the queen of the roller ring. And when she's out there on the floor, she knows she reigns supreme. Hey, Ruler Queen, I want you to show me everything. Oh, man. Industrial. <laughs> God, Nine Inch Nails. Jeez. Yeah, totally right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we jump into... Let's jump into community before we jump yeah. into the live videos. All right, cool. Um, I'll, I'll, let's see if there's anything useful in Shoutbox. Um, no. No. <laughs> uh, people quoting pra- it or saying this, yeah. things like, gorgeous song. 
Yeah. There was... Oh, you know what? Since we're talking that community, let's let's just... Uh, we're talking comments here. I'll read a couple of the ones from the D-O-P-L-G. Is that it? The very top result for Roller Queen Jimmy World um, post. Uh, Netscape82 says, seven years ago, one of the best EPs ever made. So damn good. It's a shame that this song and softer didn't appear in clarity. Uh, Joyce Raymond says, one of the best Jimmy World songs ever. I still get chills every time I hear it. Um, a very, very Russian name says, this song has always been associated by me with Lonely Summer Breezy Evening, one of their best songs. And then Cars Simplified says, I used to be able to play this on guitar, but I have no idea how Jim managed to sing at to sing at the same time. The pacing is very weird when you try to do it. And it's not like it was a studio-only song where the guitar was played, then a vocal track was added. He can play this live. <laughs> and Perry Platt yeah. comments, uh, Jim Atkins is incredible at playing difficult guitar parts and singing at the same time, which I do have to agree. He has, uh, you asked if he could do that. I don't know why mm-hmm. I second-guessed myself. And I was he, like, yeah, listen to his pick pattern. <laughs> and there's yeah. another comment I'm going to read in a minute that uh, they they point out, if you watch him in the video of him playing it live, he's playing the guitar tuned in such a way that he can do it. Oh, He's playing those harmonics open. Oh, okay. Well, here's just the last comment from this thread here from uh, Devin Tate 11 years ago. For whatever reason, when I hear this song, I see myself driving the DeLorean from Back to the Future down my lamp-lit street at midnight, going back to 2004 and kissing an old crush of mine. I jump back in the car, head back to 2011, and see what kind of effect that butterfly has on the world. <laughs> hmm. So that was, those a, are the yeah, comments on that. Uh, I've got a post on the video. Jimmy Eat World fans Facebook group from Michael Crisp. This is from June 24th, 2020. So let's talk about Roller Queen. Definitely a predecessor to Goodbye Sky Harbor and just now realize that the tempo slows down at an almost mathematically consistent rate, constant rate from when the vocals stop to the end. No click tracks were harmed in the making of this tune. I think that they actually did this tracking live-ish in the studio. Please correct me if I'm wrong. The way the bass comes back in just a hair behind the beat makes me think this happened naturally. Says Michael Crisp. Wow. Um, and then Landon Roberts had an observation that I've been holding back on. Uh, yes. Roller, oh, this is the one I was telling you about. Roller Queen is fantastic. It uses a weird tuning to get just the right natural harmonics in the main riff. Watch them play it live and the chords Jim uses. So I'm going to go ahead and paste this link that he posted. We can watch him here because the border chord is just a wide shot. Um, and... Uh, and we want to be able to listen to it clean, but let's watch this and see if we can, you and I can observe and relay to the listener about how, oh, man, which one did he get? It doesn't like me copying the link from the YouTube page because it makes it like facebook.com slash blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, watch together. Here it comes. Episode four. <laughs> This is uploaded by Unnoticed Flare. This is the Milwaukee Paps Theater. And Tom just backed into the darkness.
I mean, I see him doing it. I don't understand what he's doing. singing the other part okay well let's listen to the board record version of it okay all right because um, we were watching him play it mm-hmm. looked cool don't understand exactly what i'm looking at but i see him doing it um here's the board record this is this is uh like the person said out there who's obviously read the internet this is a song called roller queen read the internet man <laughs> the internet. live at mesa art center mesa arizona yeah, right Three oh eight oh seven. They played to a track, it sounds like. Although it's only the audio, it's not bad to listen. One of my favorites to be Cisneros. It was a it was a translation from the description here from Isaac Caro. Brunette. It may have seemed too much like confidence. And Car Simplified is here in the comments. Great performance, especially the extra bit at the end. So we're gonna have to listen to this whole thing. Sorry, listeners. I'll take you out once around instead of please take me back.
Oh, yeah, baby. Oh man, so clean. Yeah. Love the board recording. Yeah, that was rad. So thank you we, to uploader for that. <laughs> right. Now yeah. Now we got on that because we were talking about the tuning and how he plays it live, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So there was one post on Reddit that uh two years ago, think and 180 do over and what would I say to you now in open E. Uh and then Hey, y'all, sorry if this topic was already mentioned, but I remember seeing somewhere that these two songs were in a weirder tuning than most Jews songs, which are normally in drop D, standard, or half step down. I returned my guitar to open E and figured both of these songs are in that tuning. Really cool tuning, but kind of scary because of tunings, two guitar, two strings, a whole step, uh, and one string, a half step up. Just got to be careful. Hope this helps any fellow guitars. Um, Duke Nuke 12 in that comment, or in that comment thread says, that explains... T- Explains Tom's open E guitar in the rig rundown. Also, and do you remember when the rig rundown was? How long ago that was? Invented era? Okay. Damage era? Yeah, because I, I looked at, we watched the one from the Pabst. I'll uh, look it up right now. Right, and Jim still had his, the uh, Les Paul, right? Now, mm. we've talked about this, I, and I looked back. I had to make sure I even used the search function. 2017. Oh, okay. Wow. Recent. Only All right. Years ago. Yeah. March fourteenth, twenty seventeen. So for those three songs, it's basically uh, Roller Queen. Oh yeah, that's it. Snake Oil twenty seven. Normally a bass player, but Open E is such a fun tuning to jam and riff out with. Roller Queen is another one in Open E. So we've got Over. What would I say to you now? And then Roller mm-hmm. Queen all in Open E. Now I know that we talked about this in the Over episode because that was the one we had with Jim, and mm-hmm. I went through this guitar tunings database, which is I've used it before. Um, just to give listeners an idea of what a normal EBG DAE standard yeah, yeah. tuning sound. This is what it sounds like on a guitar, right? right? That's just it. You know that sound. But then playing the open E, and the way that I describe it is, it's basically like playing the, the any e bar chord. It's just an, an E chord, and this is what it sounds like, right? The old hey dude. <laughs> Hey, dude. But it made me think of the 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 harmonics because they go, let me play it backwards. Let me do it. Here, let's do this. I'll do s- slow and strum backwards. So Jim's probably sitting there and there's what three spots that you can play harmonics on a guitar. There's right. It's like right in the middle. It's every it's every half five, right? seven and twelve. Yeah. So I imagine that it makes it a little easier for Jim to just go boop, 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 because he's just playing yeah. that that E chord down. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't make that demo any easier. Um, but I, I, I guess I can't remember what you were saying about that poster and what they <coughs> remarked about with the harmonics. I think that they're easier to play. It's such a weird tuning to get just the right natural harmonics in the main riff, says Landon Roberts. Interesting. Why I guess I'd have to play it myself. The chords Jim uses. You know, I did no, look is at anybody a co- in the comments here saying anything. Um, well, let me see what Ultimate Guitar has about it. So it has. So this is what it has. So it has. Um, op- it has it in open E, so it's tuned correctly, and then the B string, the G sharp, and the E string. So it's just it's the second, third, and fourth strings. They play seven, seven. Jim plays seven, seven, five. So they're pretty close. It's almost like it's almost like playing a, a power chord. Mm-hmm. And then right. he plays the it must get annoying doing this harmonics all the time. Somebody said fourteen years ago. Hmm. I think that makes oh, it this easier. This is like a verified person, and because somebody commented, "Holy shit! Didn't know you were a Jimmy World fan." Who is this? Cold Fusion. <laughs> Cold Fusion has three point eight five million subscribers. Jeez. I don't know what this person does. Like what? What, what is this? Oh, let me go to the about. My name is Dagogo All Trade, and I create and narrate all the videos on here. This channel aims to let you experience the cutting edge of the world around us in a relaxed atmosphere. Learn the captivating stories about how our world came to be, and also learn what's happening in the cutting edge today. Something about it sounds very co- copy pasta when I'm reading that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's this person has 3.58 million subscribers. Yeah, weird. Anyway. Damn. Well, Cold I think I, what I need to do is just play it. I just don't like, like this guy said, I don't like tuning my guitar to open E that often just because two of them are tuned up a whole a whole step. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first time I ever broke a bass string was because I was tuning it. I didn't have a tuner. I would tune to my piano. Yeah. And I was tuning just too hot, too like at middle E or something like yeah. that. Like I wasn't tuning. <laughs> but I, I swear, it's probably the same thing with my Yamaha, my F three ten jumbo. Man, I, yeah. I, I, I was kept tuning up, and I go, it's still not there. And it's uh, someone coming in the room with. They would have just said, they would have said, Justin, stop! You're going beyond. <laughs> <laughs> the stretchability You've gone too far. You've gone. <laughs> I didn't catch it till it snapped. Yep. And what was happens, nice is man. at least bass strings like are wound. They're all wound, so like it just went <laughs> and just fell apart. But like I get to shoot, yeah, it was E string, and it was an E or a B, so it was like it was the yeah. little the whippy ones. Yeah, man. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost there. I know it. I know it. It's the next half yep. step up. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, okay. Oh, I wait. need to queue up Christy Brewer if you want to fire up text speech. I do have a few more community things, but I do have oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, do that. Okay. All right. I only have a couple more. Uh I do have uh JG429 three years ago. Song of the week. Song of the week. Roller Queen. Uh submitted by Pebble Swift. And the reason I couldn't tell you why I like this song so much, aside. Uh, of the fact that it has tugged the hardest (laughs) on my heartstrings out of any song I have ever heard. It's almost hard for me to listen to. I love it so much. I'd like to give the sub just a touch more awareness of how incredible it is. Musically, it's simple, but the emotions within the song are deeper than the ocean. And uh, the top comment on this thread, deleted account, 
This song is on my Mount Rushmore of Jimmy songs, and the EP it comes from is my favorite release of theirs. The EP's mm-hmm. version of Your New Aesthetic is amazing, plus it's the only place you can find softer. As much as I love the song, and I think it's perfect, I can understand if some fans don't connect with it since it belongs to an earlier era and is practically the antithesis of a banger. Yeah. A lot of people love, I mean, Glasses McFancy Hair says, man, this song, it's just perfect. <laughs> I love the way Jim sings in the second verse, and in your busy, dizzy life, you will become everything you said you would. Oh, yeah. man. All right. Yeah, I like the, yeah, well, we'll talk about it in Final Thoughts, but yes, yes. this song's great. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, random poll, Softer versus Roller Queen. Oh, David, boy. we have 111 votes. Where do you think they sat with Softer and Roller Queen? Was it lopsided? I'd say so. Okay. 111? 111. I'm going to say 80, 31. I think that math works out. Mm-hmm. 80, 31, Roller Queen. Wow, yeah. No, it's 71, oh. 40, and Softer won out. Oh. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's hard to say. Sergeant Donut in this top comment here says, both of these are Hall of Fame tracks in my book. Almost impossible to choose, but I went with Roller Queen because of how often I've reflected on its opening lyrics throughout my life. I blame it on my entrance. It may have seemed too much like confidence. It seems, you know, this is one of those tracks for it not being, I wonder how many more Jimmy World fans that listen to this track uh, would have that same kind of feeling because it seems like you, me, so many people that have commented in threads and made posts about it have this, it, it has this, this almost this effect that you can't really put into words necessarily. I mean, you called it a vibe. Um, mm-hmm. It's the the static. It's something. It's, it's the simplicity, how this, maybe it was yeah. uh, JG429 said it, the simplicity of it. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what the hell it is, but <laughs> <laughs> they did a good job. Okay. So that's where it sat there, softer one out. And, um, okay, so uh, Atera MPIW, four years ago, your new aesthetic demo, I think I actually preferred this to the album version. And Dave McElfatrick says, this, Roller Queen, and Claire were soundtracks to when a friend and I would head to the dark hedges in Northern Ireland to drink at 3 a.m. in the summer when I was in college. I miss those times. And then always a good Dr. Duct Tape hands. God, Roller Queen is so haunting. All these all these perfect adjectives for this song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what softer sounds like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Our heads are in the, in the Roller Queen space. Yeah. Uh, I upvoted this one. This was uh, the Party Poison a year ago discussion thread. Jimmy World and The Cure. All right, so this is a bit of a weird one, but I was listening to Roller Queen, and the song itself was giving me major Cure vibes. I'm not sure why, but it just was. That got me thinking, Disintegration by Jew has to be a reference to the Cure's Disintegration, which we talked about. Not only by Mm -hmm. the title, but also by the actual sound of the song itself. Has anyone heard the guys talking about being influenced by the Cure or anything along those lines? Um, It's funny, they don't come up a lot when the band is talking about their influences. Yeah, but I feel look like at it's this. always like '80s hair metal and U2. Right. <laughs> I I upvoted this comment. Another loser anthem. Fun fact. Whoa. Fun fact. Tom's first concert was The Cure, mm. uh, and then furrowed brow. I wonder if we went to the same one. The Cure played Compton Terrace in '89, and then at the Suns Arena in '92. Wow. <laughs> so uh, there's that. What else do I have? Uh, that, that's it. That's all I got for community. And I do have text to speech. Rare and ready to go. 
All right, let me play Christy Chrissy's intro here. Christy Brewer. I blame it on my entrance. It may have seemed too much like confidence. Let me start it over. Help me get to what I can from when I did. All that I know is how I can hold on. All that you see is how I let go. Take me back, please. Had to leave my reasons. It may have seemed too much, the consequence. And in your busy, dizzy life. You will become everything you said you would. All that I know is how I can hold on. All that you see is how I let go. So how about once around? Deep. Wow. Ethereal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm in like I'm in Christy Brewerland. I'm looking like her most popular songs are these like obscure Jay-Z songs that I'm assuming they're so popular because people are looking to stream these old Jay-Z songs. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I can't even tell you how many videos she has on her page. Christy Brewer, nothing on the about page. Not a thing, so huh? Haunted. Yeah, man. Christy Brewer, 3286. <laughs> Most Christy recent Brewer. upload was six years ago. So it was pretty dead. Um, yeah, weird. Johnny Cash uh, was among some of the latest uploads that Christy Brewer did. Now, can I do like oldest first? No. I don't feel like doing it. That's about as much research as into Christy Brewer as I <laughs> yeah. want to do. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I have two covers. Okay. Um, you want to do Brett Cope? First? I will do, yes. Let's do Brett Cope. That's the one that's the one that I heard. So I'm excited to hear the other one that you came across. Yeah, Brett Cope is great. Yes. All right. I'll paste that in. And it's the first half of this. This is Roller Queen, and for me, this is Heaven. So here we go. Brett Cope. Hi, I've never played either of these two songs on acoustic before, so I figured it'd be fun to... This looks like that. 2001. <laughs> yeah, it does. Oversized it is old, white t-shirt. 2001 old. This is from October 15th, 2006. He says, I'm a lot better at playing it on my electric, and I think it sounds better, too. I tune both songs in open E. E, B, E, G, sharp, B, E.
Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Brett Coe. Let's jump to five minutes real quick. Somebody says, Stephen Kreiman says, how is he playing it at five minutes? Awesome cover. Best one I've heard. What happens at five minutes? Yeah. Uh, you want me to go up to five minutes? Here, let's see. Yeah. All right. baby oh god oh what a beautiful it's because it's an open tuning but yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly why <laughs> yeah i mean if you jumped ahead or didn't listen to him explaining that well i guess he didn't explain yeah. it he just started playing no the it's song in the right. comments yeah yeah that's where it is uh yeah so that explains that so there man um, brett cope damn yeah man the next I have, uh, it's posted directly to the Jimmy Eat World Fans Facebook group, Landon Roberts, who we talked about All earlier. Right. July 6, 2020, my first attempt at recording myself playing a song. Please enjoy my rendition on guitar of Roller Queen, complete with a few wrong notes by mistake, LOL, <laughs> face. P.S. I am only playing Jim's part. Tom has some overdub parts. Also, the tuning is E open. E, B, E, F sharp, B, E. And here it is. So he's going between the seventh and fifth frets there. Okay. Terrific work, Landon Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, before we get out of here, I have two rave DJs. Did you make one? <laughs> I I made two, and we Sweet. can 
All right. Yeah, I've got one. I've got one that I'm going to go with, though. Okay. I have not listened to either of mine. Okay. Um, but if you're going to go with one, let I'll do one, then you do yours, and I'll do my other one. Okay. All right. I've got Queen Roller, which is them with uh, Naked Ray Gun. Let's see how that sounds. All right. <laughs> Too lo-fi. Ah, too ah. lo-fi. All right. <sighs> okay. My first one is I I mixed <laughs> Rover. Uh, I'm sorry, Roller Queen and Over because they were in the same tuning. So this is Rover Queen. Oh, see how I this love one that thought process. Here we go. Cool. <laughs> Everything up. <laughs> All right. Eh, I was hoping it would work a little better. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad, though. Uh huh. All right. What um, do you got? I've got unwritten queen harmonic. So this is <laughs> right. unwritten law. Yes. And uh <laughs> and Jimmy World. So let's give it a shot. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I mean, I do want to go out and skate now. Yeah, man. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> well, Justin, what are your final thoughts? Oh, man. Song? Uh, this Queen. song. Oh, Roller Queen. It. I, I really wish I had more access to it. I... I it's 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 no excuse. <laughs> Me too. I have all I, yeah. the access to it. I can pull up whenever uh -huh. I want. Yeah, I know you can. <laughs> but just not having it on Spotify, as much as I love this track, um, I know I would love it even more if I could just access it on demand without having to go to YouTube to listen to it. Yeah. Um, and then you gotta have YouTube Premium so you can lock your phone while you listen to it. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of a pain <laughs> to have to listen to it, but it's worth it. I mean, I can always put it on my computer while I'm doing work and stuff in the background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but man, this is such an amazing song, and I love that there's such a like an indescribable nature to it. If it's the if it's yeah. the sound, if it's the, the lyrics that Jim put to it, if it's all of that together, the fact that it sounds like it could be old Jimmy World that that is you know static prevails but never was. There's there's so many things that are up in the air, um, 
but in the end, it's this beautiful track that yeah. uh, that the band and Jim, I guess, really put together. And I absolutely love this song, man. What about you? I was listening to Switched on Pop today, and they were talking about Midnight's, the new Taylor Swift record, which I've yet to listen to yet. But Lennox would enjoy that. I guess she puts her songs into three categories when she's writing them. There's quill pen, gel pen, and what, what did she say? It's the type of pen. It's like glitter pen, gel pen, and quill pen. Uh-huh. And it depends on like what sh- what vibe she's going for, I guess. And so the, I would say that Jimmy Eat World, I think that's a really cool way to think about it. And I think there's multiple types of Jimmy Eat World songs, too. There's this, which is like a night drive type song, which makes me want to go ahead and put together a Jimmy Eat World night drive playlist. And then there's fun, uh, uh, you know, party rocking out songs. And we've even heard them refer to those types of songs. And then there's the experimental far out there. Like, let's see how weird we can get. Right. It's like five, five, five. And, you know, we always say, what's the five, five, five of of this record type of deal. So, right. um, This is the introspective night drive, the quintessential introspective night drive song. And I I want to now make a Jimmy Eat World night driving playlist and uh, (laughs) compile all the songs we've talked about while doing the podcast (laughs) and uh, that 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 I always say are great night driving uh, songs. Uh, this has inspired me to finally maybe <laughs> do that. <laughs> do so, it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, I love it. I love it. I'm glad I know the lyrics now, too. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Mm. Um, anything else before we uh, see everybody off? No, man. No. Well, Ch- check out this track. If you find yourself at the Pickwick Roller uh, Rink in Burbank, California, uh, and you think that you, too, could be Roller Queen, and somebody says, no, you can't. Um, just remember to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! All right, welcome, listeners. We have a very special guest that we met serendipitously, I guess is the best way of, of putting it, requesting that he be on the episode that we had recorded not what, like just a few days before he reached out to us. Um, also, I am so happy that our contact form actually works, and we haven't been missing anyone's contact. Uh, that was my that was my first response. I saw a <laughs> contact form email. I was like, "Oh, it works, good." Yes. <laughs> so here we are. We've got Elliot Cuss, uh, one half of Bad Dad Rad Dad, and uh, and you requested that you run Roller Queen, and here we are. Would you like to uh, d- introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, you got my name exactly right. I get a lot of coos. And the fact that you got cussed on the first try, yes. nailed it. So good. <laughs> um, yeah. Hello. My name is Elliot. I, uh, I am one half of the podcast Bad Dad, Rad Dad. Um, we're a podcast. We're a fairly new podcast. We just started this past March in 2022. And uh, our whole thing is that we watch five to six movies a week. And then we kind of deep dive on our thoughts and feelings about those movies and then because it was kind of born out of the fact that me and my partner, Kylie, and co-host Kylie, um, we kind of grew up and have some very complicated relationships with our dads. So at the end of each episode, we select a bad dad and a rad dad from all of the films that we watched. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so our whole tagline is we're, um, we're looking for better dads one movie at a time. <laughs> Who's your favorite dad you found so far? 
Oh man, that's a really great question. Our kind of go-to dad who will always win is Willem Dafoe, no matter what, because he's just kind of, he's kind of the all dad a little bit. So um, not Willem Dafoe, any specific character, but like in general as like in his yeah, cinematic ca- repertoire, say for maybe Spider-Man. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I'd say like peak Willem Dafoe dad energy is the, the film uh, Florida Project. Oh, where great. he's just okay. he's just like the sweetest guy and you just want him to be your dad and to look after you. So, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the the catch all. And but, uh, in podcast lore, where where is the where's the metric for the worst dad? Usually, typically what will get somebody the title of bad dad of the week is if they are super selfish because when you when you start getting too selfish and you it's all about you and it isn't about the people you should maybe be considering or uh caring about that's already that's just almost immediately putting you in bad dad books and then if you're just a shit person on top of that as well that doesn't help your case (laughs) yeah i'm thinking of uh uh, james con in elf who starts off bad dad i think he ends up bad dad pretty good yeah yeah and that's something we consider too you know like it's about the journey in the film for the character like if if they have a good arc that's that's perfect then they can totally go from bad dad energy to rad dad energy nice but yeah no i uh i'm super stoked to be here like um like was said at the beginning by justin like the word of the day is serendipitous because (laughs) i literally i discovered this totally awesome podcast that needs to exist and i'm so happy that it exists in the world um and then i i saw that you guys were deep diving on each of these episodes or on each of these episodes about each jimmy Eat world song and i don't have a lot of jimmy Eat world fans in my life that i can kind of geek out about jimmy Eat world with so i'm I, I was like first i'm very excited to be able to do that with a couple of people that really love jimmy Eat world and then i saw that you hadn't done the song roller queen yet which just happens to be my favorite jimmy Eat world song and when I tell people that, they're like, what is that? that and I'm just like, it's like a kind of a deep cut on this, <laughs> this obscure, hard to find EP that you can't even stream. Just trust me, it's amazing. So, so the fact that I came across the podcast, you guys hadn't done this yet. And I reached out and on the week that you were releasing the World of Queen episode, I, I just can't even believe the universal magic that was at play here. <laughs> yeah, this that's is that's the beauty of Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about that then. So, we had talked about this on the episode that I can't stream it. I only have a few listens in the last decade that were probably when I was listening to it through my iTunes uh when I was scrabbling with it, downloaded it through shared, you know, some shared listeners. But I I still don't have the CD. How did you come across the album and what do you remember that first time that you heard Roller Queen? Yes. So Roller Queen has a very special place in my heart because it was just this, it was this thing of like, I found it in a pawn shop and it was kind of at this time when I was this very pivotal moment in my life where I was kind of discovering music that, that kind of fed my personality and helped me kind of discover who I was. Like my first three albums I bought with my own money when I was like 11 or 12 were, uh, Enema of the State by Blink-182. <laughs> Uh, self-titled Newfound Glory and Bleed American by Jimmy Eat World. And that was, those were like the gateway to being like, okay, I'm going to start moving away from 
you know, not really knowing what I like musically and like Eiffel 65 and then <laughs> kind of find <laughs> stuff that's a little bit, I mean, you know, little kind blue. of hitting me different. <laughs> um, and then usually when I, I find a band, even now that I, the, that I like or that I connect with, I just want to kind of wrap myself up in everything that they got. So I would go to pawn shops and record stores and look for anything I could find like CD singles or EPs or things like that. And that was the case with the Jimmy Eat World EP. I found it at a, at a pawn shop and I picked it up. I brought it home. And I mean, the EP is awesome. It has some of the best songs in there, like Lucky Denver Mint, For Me This Is Heaven. What I think is a superior version of your new aesthetic, there's a the demo version of that on that EP, which I actually prefer over the Clarity version um, and Softer. And then they close with Roller Queen. And I remember listening through the EP, I used to always go to sleep with, with earpods in and listening on like my Discman which is probably really dangerous because of, you know, cords tangled wrapping around <laughs> necks and whatnot. But I remember we get, I got to Roller Queen and it just hit me on this, this very kind of um, like very melancholic level, but in, in such a emotional way, just because of its like simplicity and how it, it seemed to tie like really closely to like my preteen early teenage stage of my life where like you just kind of feel everything really deeply and it just like hit me in the heart that way and then it just kind of stuck with me for forever like just as just this really beautiful piece of music that not a lot of people are able to hear unless you kind of you seek it out through internet sleuthing or now I think it's on YouTube and I don't know any other way other than having a physical copy of the EP to actually listen to it so I feel very grateful that I still have it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we uh I think I bought a I bought a copy I think when we started the podcast so we could scan in the liner notes really high res. Mm-hmm. And uh that's not the one I turned around. I turned around the What what did I turn around, Justin? It was the 1994 self-titled that I turned around. I think I uh gave it to one of our listeners. Um but yeah, it's definitely like, yeah, Pride and Joy collection item for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And it was surprising. Like this was the one track that didn't make it onto like Bleed American Deluxe or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we found on the archived version of the website that it, it was uh, uh, the idea was that these three tracks would never be available on in any other uh, or uh, yeah, there are three tracks that ne- were not going to be on Clarity. And it was only going to be on this EP um, that was put out by Fueled by Robin. And then um, two of the tracks made it <laughs> onto Softer and the uh, Your New Aesthetic uh, demo made it onto like Bleed American Deluxe Repress or something like that. But this one never mm-hmm. did, which is uh, made it really kind of special in that way. And we found that the community really holds this song up as as a, uh, a high watermark. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of b-sides and things like that yeah and there were a handful of them that we read through that had a similar response to what you had just said about there's something indescribable about it that hit them emotionally affected them and they don't necessarily know why but they just understand that it's something amazing and i think that that's that's something to to be said about this track is that it's something that jim has written across 200 and 75 other songs 274 other songs uh and it's had that 
remarkable effect on on certain people. Um, and there's other tracks that people say, I really love this song, but I think maybe it's just a combination of its rarity, um, the time that it came out, and then also, you, like you said, the simplicity of it. Just all of those factors at once made it this really special thing that it's hard for people to describe why it's so special. But just that the fact that we know that now, uh, 22 years later, um, that it's uh, it's just this this amazing track, and I do wish I had more access to it. Mm-hmm. And David can can talk about. Yeah, I was going to say. So yeah. you're you're a relatively new listener to the podcast, but I'm an Apple Music man, and he's a Spotify man, and mm. uh, I always give him guff about. Man, it's just so weird that you can't you can't just add a song to your library and have it available on all your devices, uh, like I can on <laughs> Apple Music. It just that 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 alone would keep me off of Spotify. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I'm also an Apple Music guy. And it's yeah. only because I already spent so much time building up my Apple library. I wasn't about to do that again with Spotify. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember uh, when streaming first started, I was on RDO. And I was mm. so in love with that platform. And then when Pandora just drove it into the ground, uh, I just went back to Apple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. But yeah, like something, uh, something else like about the track, like just in its simplicity, like it's the fact that it's, it's only like two verses and two courses worth of lyrics. And it has like, it has this very atmospheric and very direct kind of, it has this atmospheric feeling. And then the lyrics feel very direct of what the, what it's trying to say and what Jim is trying to get across. Um, And yeah, it's like, it's very melancholic, but there's there's just there's also just some lines in here that just kind of like get like get to the heart a little bit and and there's that one piece like it's the one re-intro after the first course where it sounds like a a tape recording and then the song and it just sounds distant and really lo-fi and then it rips back into everything just being cranked at full volume um but it's such a subtle song but when everything comes back in, it just feels like such a swell and it just hits you in the heart. It's it's a very it's it's a very unique track that I feel like could even almost be at home at like stay on my side tonight, like kind of even in yeah. that era a little bit, you know? Yeah. A lot of people in the community we saw had thought of it maybe as a proto goodbye Sky Harbor. Um, yeah. In terms yeah, of how yeah. the outro feels. Yeah. I have to. And yeah, I you're talking about that, that that one part at two minutes. uh I had I had said it kind of sounded like a bad cable and it makes me think of like when you're in bed listening in your disc man it almost sounds like if you roll over on your headphone cable the wrong way yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh crap let me uh let me adjust oh there it is <laughs> totally I, I there's guaranteed I probably did that once or twice <laughs> for sure oh yeah but speaking of goodbye sky harbor I kind of I kind of I kind of say that that Jimmy World is kind of has set the standard for me of what a good album closer is for anything I listen to um, forevermore. I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the show, and I apologize if you have, but it's just it's the gold standard. And whenever I listen to an album front to back, and we and I get to the penultimate song, I'm like, well, is the is the last track going to live up to that Jimmy World gold standard? Because when you have <laughs> When you have, you know, the My Sundowns, the Goodbye Sky Harbor, even Roller Queen here, 23, like they know how to end a record on such a impactful, emotional and fulfilling note that that it's almost unfair to pit other artists against them. (laughs) 
but it's going to happen now forever more since I was a preteen. That's all that happens now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about the final. Uh, I've, I'm trying to I'm racking my brain, Justin, if you can remember which record do we feel like maybe you could swap the last two songs? I think it's Firefight and Dizzy. No, maybe? I thought it was mixtape and. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Off Invented, right? It's Off Invented. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And not that it was the wrong choice, but, but it's they the just only could, time yeah. where um, they ended the album twice. Like <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah. really great twice. Uh, invented felt like yeah felt like a, a closer but then you have mixtape which is of course a perfect closer they're both great closers mm -hmm. um, but yeah yeah and they're both yeah. what gosh man invented is seven minutes and uh mixtape six and a half yeah. and, and not to say that the the number the amount that total really that that's what sets it off i mean because look at roller queen is is six minutes just over six and a half minutes long but there's other album closers that have been four and a half five but they're still yeah big i mean songs. tonight's track that we're recording um is the longest track and it's track six of ten so it's not always the longest track that's the right right yeah the sometimes i'll yeah. be in the middle um so you can't really use that I, but you're right it's the fact that that the band has or, or jim rather has figured out that this last there has to be an arc to the album and that last yeah. track really has to solidify all the emotions that have been displayed from track one to however long that album is and then it all comes to that point and you listen to it and you go oh man i either you feel full you feel empty whatever it is it's a full emotion that you're feeling and he's done that through through so many albums and and just by making it that epic kind of closer so i think every listener anytime there's a new album or something we're always going to be listening to that last track, hoping that it's it, it gives us that same feeling that we did that we got when we listened to 23 or, or when we listened to Anderson Mesa or all these other huge epic closers. Um, and that's their thing. That's Jimmy yeah. World's thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I remember reading some of the buzz before Integrity Blues came out and they listened. They had the track list and run times for each of the tracks. And Paul Roger came in at like six minutes or something. And people are like, "Ooh, is this the new 23? Oh, uh, the last little bit I had on uh, Roller Queen is when we did the research. We didn't. We reached out to Jim and didn't, he didn't respond directly to this one. But um, there is enough evidence to suggest that all of Roller Queen is just Jim drums bass everything yeah um, yeah uh, enough evidence points to that which is just cool it makes it like justin had suggested like jim's intuition on every part of it how to vibe out at the end of a record yeah um is always spot on <laughs> yeah he he just has it so even from such early jimmy like just so dialed in of how to really create that that arc that you're talking about justin and like kind of give you that well-rounded emotional journey throughout a record um a question i had for you guys because i was kind of curious like are there any notable jimmy world moments in songs that never cease to give you the chills when you listen to them or re-listen to them like i'll just share a couple of mine like um the 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 line from night drive the uh quitting alone will never get you dry the jim's mm, delivery the on that, that delivery, yeah. it's like a brick every time that gives yeah. me chills or like the chugs at the end of the bridge in electable give it up like as soon as it rips into that last course 
uh, or when crush like when a crush erupts out, out of the bridge like that those those moments do that for me i want to know what your guys's are <laughs> all right I'll, I'll go first because david actually since david's an editor he's very very fast i was talking with him today i was putting together like a shot list for this video that i'm that I'm shooting for the school. And he just comes back with these clips that I don't know if he's got them in his back pocket. If he went and, all encyclopedic, and like drag them down from movie clip stock. I have no idea, but he was just slamming the stuff. So when we do episodes, he'll put together these really intense edits sometimes that surprise me. Cause he doesn't tell me we, we try to surprise each other with games and things and the song kill. All right, Elliot, mm. I, there is a moment in kill where, where Jim goes, Oh God, please don't tell me this has been in vain. But he goes, Oh God! But (laughs) (laughs) David went through and extracted every Oh God from like 20. Like every live performance (laughs) I could find on YouTube of it. Right back to back. So is this like 15, 20 second thing of Jim just going, Oh God! Uh, But listening to that song on Futures, which I mean, Futures and Integrity Blues for me are, are nose. They're just like there. I could, I could, mm. depends on the day and the feeling. They, they kind of flip flopped on my favorite album. But that line gives me chills every time. Oh God. When he just says, Oh God, and leads into, Please don't tell me this has been in vain. That's my line. I love that. Yeah. I've been racking my brain and I don't, I don't exactly know if it's one thing. Like it's easier for me to suggest like that Jimmy Eat World is so good at dynamics and going both insanely loud and insanely quiet in the same song and that's a that's a motif that's something Mm -hmm. they go back to that well a lot um but yeah um it's there's things that i'll get upset that they don't do live uh so like uh let it happen when they perform it live just doesn't sound like it does on the record um and so i guess like that thing that they did on the records is what i love i love um uh, what's the opening track of Invented? The the string break uh, that hard is hard to, to find. Uh, yes, yeah. the 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 string break on hard is hard to find. That's probably like my least favorite record because I feel like I can't relate to a lot of the songs because they're not written from Jim's perspective, and mm. he's probably done that more than he's ever admitted. But he admitted it on that record, and it and it always like stood out to me as like, oh, I can't identify. But that moment is incredible. And then like opener is probably my favorite Jimmy world song and the way that that opening riff goes, uh, is incredible. But then, you know, there's the untitled song on the singles album and, uh, and the way there's one line in that entire song and it's sung as if like the way that Tom did, uh, the feeling this, uh, the 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 last little like part of the bridge from like the back of a shower and the microphones in the other room that's how the line mm-hmm. in that untitled song is and that entire song um just makes me feel all the feels so mm. i guess those are a few of my favorite moments for sure that's great i love that opener is your favorite song that is that's, <laughs> that's such a good song that was when i got that singles album i put that on and i just like blasted it in my bedroom and i remember my dad walking in and being like what the hell is this i'm like this is jimmy Eat world he's like this sounds nothing like jimmy Eat world where's the middle <laughs> <laughs> that track is so good it's yeah. so so good but um, i think like yeah also um the like the pre-chorus in 
that's it, it, like going back to bleed American, like, Oh, super, super mainstream record. But like the pre-chorus in a praise chorus is so undeniable. Like it's so, so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin, what's your, what's your favorite tune? <sighs> My favorite song altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, futures is, is good. I, lo- I love kill. I, I absolutely love that, that song. <sighs> If I had to pick a track, I feel like I'd have to give Integrity Blues um, its due, and I would say the the end is beautiful for me. Is just this a, a, just an amazing song? Um, I love I love Integrity Blues from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only recently come around to Paul Roger. I always felt like Integrity Blues. If they extended that, that track could have been the album closer, and then it goes into Paul Roger, which felt. It, it felt awkward for me for a while. And then mm. after like my 75th listen through of Integrity Blues, <laughs> I finally got it. And it's like, I, I, I understand how this album goes. So, I mean, just as a whole, I'd pick The End is Beautiful as my favorite Jimmy World track. It's just too, that classic ones, for me, this is heaven. I, I love that song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 10 is amazing. But I, talking about the newer stuff, I, I got to go with The End is Beautiful. That's great. I love that a lot because yeah, I feel uh, when Integrity Blues came out. I live, I live up in Canada. I live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. It is like minus forty degrees right now, which I think <laughs> is like the temperature that Fahrenheit and Celsius actually like meet. <laughs> so it's really, really cold right now. Um, but I listened to that album. It came out at a time when I was actually taking a trip with my partner Kylie to New York. So I listened to that album multiple times on the flight to New York. And it's just like, it, it stirred up in me, just all of the things I love about Jimmy world. Like I feel like they just kind of, they kind of got back to what they were really good at and what they're really, what, what their strengths are and the reason that I fell in love with them. Um, So I, I feel like they recaptured lightning in a bottle with that album and I love it so much. So I'm really glad that, that you love it as, as, as much and are, are so open to talking about how much you love it because I feel like it's kind of it doesn't it doesn't get its its uh, its due as often as I would like it to. Yeah, we you know when we go through you know we have sections in our in our episodes when we get to the community section we start to we get to see what people on Reddit and Facebook say about these albums and things like people aren't giving you are free it's uh it's proper respects it's a it's a great song and it makes you kind of think back and go is this really a good song and you listen to it again you go wow that is really good when you listen to it on a standalone without listening to it through the album yeah it can kind of change your perspective on certain tracks um but you start to see that these certain albums people just don't listen to like maybe integrity blues is a sleeper on a lot of the people on reddit let's just say in that subreddit and you don't mm-hmm. think about it that because maybe you and i i love integrity blues i always go back to this album so i've i think of it as just this like this really solid album from the band um it was a point when justin meldel johnson was in the picture and I love Weezer, and so he did the White Album, and so these two albums that I love were him, and it's kind of like, people think of it, maybe they don't know who produced it, and they think, this is just a really well-done album, Jimmy World knew what they were doing, but there's also, there's a lot of hands in this, and uh, and the fact that it was the same person that's now done Surviving, which ended up being a great album, I don't think it's one of my top albums from Jimmy World, but it's a great album, a solid album, um, it's nothing as experimental as what, when we go back, I guess, 
they kind of lost me a little bit when I listened to uh, Damage. I think Damage was the one that really kind of, it, it didn't sit well with me. A lot of that, I still like the songs. I could sing, you know, I listen to them and sing to them, but there's mm-hmm. certain albums that just cut people off. And if you never got back into them, they lost track of Integrity Blues or even, I, I still love Invented and Invented mm-hmm. too. These albums that, um, you know, I guess what I'm just trying to say is that the community, you find out that people don't listen to these albums and I, you feel like they should because you got to yeah. give Jimmy World a chance. They're still making music, you know, 30 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's this really challenging thing when you, when there's a band that's been around for so long or an artist that's been around for so long and you grew up with them or they are really important to you and you start getting into those conversations with other people of, you know, I, you know, they'll say things like, I wish they would just make albums like the albums that they used to make or just remake. I wish Jimmy Orr will just do, you know, clarity too, essentially kind of thing. And it's just like, but you can always go back to that. Like you can always go back and listen to clarity. You can always go back, listen to bleed America. You can always revisit those. And it's, it's more exciting to see where the band is going to go and whether or not it's it's the albums like the damage or like the surviving that you know yeah i i i say that i i agree with you it's the same thing for me like those aren't necessarily top albums for me but it's exciting when the you see the journey that's that's happening with the band and the things they want to try and the things that they want that they want to explore i mean like at this point jimmy world has it unlocked like they know how to record a record a very clean record like it's yeah it's just so pristine um but yeah it's it's this weird thing as you as you're getting older and you've been listening to this band for 20 plus years of just kind of reckoning with that and how you have to kind of shift or adapt your relationship with them as you get older right and i think as you as and as i'm getting older um you know and i'm teaching now i'm teaching high school students and so they're introducing new music to me nothing Mm -hmm. that i'm necessarily interested in but I guess what I'm finding is that it it seems like not one student listens to the same thing that another student listens to. There's so much music out there and the fact that people can produce stuff so easily at home uh, and publish it themselves on Spotify and get out there. It's just, it's easier to get lost in the sea of just noise. And so when you go back to a band like Jimmy World, who, yes, maybe different producers have had a different hand in it that have given them a different sound, but at the end of the day, they're a professional band They've never strayed from their formula of look. Let's let's put out a, a complete album, not these little bits and pieces, experimental things. They try a few things, like they they lived with um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Alan Johan, Alan Giannis. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, they lived with him in his place in in Beverly Hills or or West Hollywood, right? For a while, they lived in his house and recorded out of that when they were doing Damage. It's an interesting thing. They went out of their shell, but they still stuck to their their roots of of the song, the music that they wanted to put, and they put out a full album. Maybe mm. it maybe it didn't strike a chord with every one of their listeners, but they've been that. And so when you get 20 years down the road and you take a look back and see, I feel lost taking a step out into music right now. So I want to feel whole again. And I'm just gonna go back mm. to Jimmy World. Like Jimmy World for me right now, I've I've hit that arc of the fan in the beginning, and then I wavered a little bit, and now I'm just back to being a, a a super fan. I love these guys and the podcast helps. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no kidding. It's funny like my my moment for that was um they came through town and they don't come through Edmonton very often. 
um, but they came through a few years ago when they were supporting Integrity Blues. And I'm like, like Jimmy World's coming. I've enjoyed the last few times that I've seen them. Uh, let's go see them again. And like, I, by that time, I was kind of at that waiver point that you're talking about. And then seeing them live, it was when they they start like they started using all of like they went ampless and everything was just uh, what's it called like Axe Effects? Yeah, Axe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. It was and it was in like this small club that typically doesn't have the best sound. It's one of the best sounding concerts I've ever been to. <laughs> and it reaffirmed for me that, oh yeah, this is why I like this band so much is because their songs are fucking awesome and they make me feel something that not many other bands can. Yeah, and one other thing we've noticed with being on Discord and meeting people on different platforms, if it's Facebook or if it's if it's Reddit, uh, but David and I recently went out to Phoenix to go meet we didn't really meet the band, but we went and saw the band play out there mm. at uh, in, in a hometown show. But a lot of the fans came from all over the place, and many of them came from California. And the stories that they'll tell, you see that the band still goes back to their fans and understands that their fans are the ones that keep them going. Not that that's why they do it. I think they're mm-hmm. just good people. They're generally, they're good people. They're smart. They do interviews really well, but they also have that, that soft hand with their fans. And while I haven't met Jim one-on-one, I haven't been in his presence directly. I mean, we've been able to interview him and have you had that kind of experience? I know you said you were at that small little venue, but has there any, besides that, has there been any moment where Jimmy world just immediately shot up a notch because of some kind of interaction or something they did or something you saw? Yeah, it was the first time that I saw them. Um, they didn't come to Edmonton, but a city south of us, Calgary. They were coming there, and me and my best friend at the time, we were in a little band together, but we loved Jimmy World so much. So and we were, I feel like we were like 16 at the time, but neither of us had our licenses. So I asked my dad, and my dad drove <laughs> us down. It's like a three-hour drive. And we were going to go down. And then after the concert was done, we were going to come back home. So six hours of driving in one day. And we went to this show. It was the first time we saw them. We we weaseled our way to the front. Sorry, and uh, it, uh, it was unreal because they were supporting Chase This Light. And just the tracks that they played were nuts. And I remember like before we got to the show, me and my friend were like, if they play Crush, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to die. And... As soon as they they played that opening chord and we're like, holy shit, this is amazing. (laughs) It's happening. Um, And that was unreal. And then um, at the end of the show, when they like do the thing of like throwing the picks out into the crowd, I caught a pick. Oh, man. From from Jim. And I was like, no way. Like that's the perfect button to what was already an amazing experience that just solidified them as like, a band I'm going to love forever. I put like the final line of 23 in my, like next to my grad photo write up that you could have. So it's forever going to be there. This like super cheesy line from, from 23. Um, but you know, I wear it with pride cause I love Jimmy world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the moment. I think that was the moment. It was the first time seeing them. Like that was just such a, it was, I think what you could call a religious experience, just every, the energy in the room and being there with my friend and, and getting to hear the song I wanted to hear, catching the pick, like everything, just the stars aligned and it was just oh, incredible. Man. <laughs> Did you recount this story in on Reddit or anything before? This sounds so familiar. Like no. so many of those details, like if they play Crush, 
and catching the pick and everything. I'm like searching. We have a search function that Justin coded <laughs> where we can search our transcripts. Oh, and I was great. like, I I know this story. You didn't you you haven't recounted this online anywhere, huh? No, I I, oh. I don't use Reddit at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you somebody time, heard me tell that story and then stole my story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's an amazing one. Uh, they came to a small venue when they were doing their futures futures uh, ten tour, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. And a similar thing. I think it was a friend of mine that went, and I didn't get the pick directly, but they threw him out. And I his I don't know if I'm assuming not. T- Tom probably doesn't play the pick that says Jim Atkins on it, right? I can't imagine he, that they. If he does, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason you know, why I, I met saying Mark Hoppus at Disneyland one time, and his, <laughs> his Starbucks cup said Tom on it, which I thought was hilarious. Who's <laughs> uh, Mark Hoppus's oh, Starbucks yeah. cup said Tom on it? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, well, we just left. Like the the light, the house lights came on. We had we were getting out of the place. I think I was talking to a couple of people, but there were some other people just mulling around the general the GA area down at the pit and over off to the left. So stage left, no stage, right. Yeah. The left side where Tom was, my buddy, Alex was just looking around and he came across a pick and, and he goes, hey, you know, he knew how, what a big fan I was. And he handed it to me and it wasn't a direct thing, but I remember, I remember taking a picture of it, tweeting it. And now it's, it's um, David and I both went to velvet Jones out in Santa Barbara, a small, very intimate acoustic show from Jim and I put his pick underneath it, the ticket stub that I have. And it's just one of those things where that's a prized possession for me. That whole I would show people that thing, the ticket mm-hmm. and the and the pick and saying this is a this is this is the band that I love. And uh, it, it's it's a magic kind of a thing when when you get something that these people that seem so untouchable either give you or share with you or offer to you. Um, and it just take it, it's you'd mentioned like a religious experience. That's the closest thing. It's like maybe more things needed to happen in that moment for me to just say I could die right now. But that, mm. that made my night. And I just remember yeah. looking at that thing, the whole ride home and holding it in my hand and then putting it in that little tiny pocket where you put the chapstick in your pants. So I didn't lose it. <laughs> but I just wanted yes. to keep that damn thing safe. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing. And, you know, I, I haven't really, gotten to kind of realize it and i'm by no means comparing myself to the jimmy world but having started a podcast like that becomes a really personal thing right because people fit you into their routines weekly or daily or whatever it is to spend time listening to you talk like we just had the spotify wrapped and we have over three thousand minutes that have been uploaded over 36 episodes and the fact that some people have spent over three thousand minutes listening to me and kylie talk is kind of nuts to think about and yeah and that we're a part of people's lives in that way. And then, you know, like in terms of Jimmy Eat World, like, and make what makes that experience so, yeah, like just so kind of otherworldly is you, we, we're laying in bed listening to them before we go to sleep or as we go to sleep, we're listening to them on the way to work or, you know, if we're feeling shitty, like we're throwing it on because we know it makes us happy. Like we're spending all of this emotional labor and time into this band and then to get, to, to have that experience of like that, like you almost feel recognized without them direct, like directly speaking to you or anything. It's just that like, okay, you like, you got me and 
and I'm here and I'm here for you and you're here for me. And it's just this very simpatico relationship. Yeah. Unspoken relationship we have with each other, which is like a really unique and weird and beautiful thing all at once. Yeah. And I think weird is a great way to describe it because we're doing this thing for this band that we absolutely love. Um, and they're good people, but we're still content creators. You, we're all content creators and we do it because we love it. And it's, it's very humbling when somebody brings up, Hey, I listened to your, your podcast and I, you know, and you can only imagine what they felt in those early, in the early nineties when they were getting people that were coming to their shows and singing the songs back that had no liner notes yet. And they were just singing these lyrics back. Um, and to where they are now, I mean, it's gotta be, it's, it's just gotta be there. I mean, they're still professional, but I, I feel like they've got to be humbled every time, every live show that they play, because all these people are coming to see them. And I know we're on a, such a smaller scale as content creators and different types of formats and platforms that we're on. Um, but it's it, it's an amazing thing. It, it kind of gives me this chill just when somebody mentions like, oh, I've heard of that podcast. I've listened to you guys. You are you you sound mm-hmm. familiar. Um, but it it's it's just we still do it because we want to do it. We're here. We've been here for, what, three years almost practically. Is it three years doing this it thing is, every yeah. every <laughs> We've changed nights when we've recorded, but still, we've always put an episode out, except for one week. Every every Friday has been an episode, and it's it's. I don't like to say a labor of love because it's not necessarily labor. I mean, maybe if you defined it as as work, but um, it's a little bit easier, I guess, for us to visualize because we've got this this band that we're doing it to. But you guys have these films that you're you're doing this for, and I guess I mean. Where do you guys hear from your fans the most when they remark about, like, I loved this episode or this one really, really hit me? We primarily use Instagram. So that's where people like to connect with us. And we encourage people to connect with us the most at baddad.raddad. Um, but uh, we also have individual letterboxed accounts, um, Kylie and I. And we kind of keep in between episodes if people, you know, don't want to be surprised of what we cover they can go into our letterbox, which is up to date with the stuff that we're watching. Um, and they engage with us there too of like, like finally, like we saw this like really great Japanese film called Tampopo the other night for the first time. And it's like this really, it's, it's this movie about the, this woman wanting to make the best bowl of ramen in the world. Like it's this really simple, great thing. If you guys haven't seen it, you should go watch Tampopo because it is incredible. It's hilarious. But like, there's some people in our lives that just like engage with us on, on Instagram. They're like, you finally, you watched Tam Popo. Like, let's talk <laughs> about this. Like they just want to engage about this stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly through social media. And I think that that's, that's the beautiful side of social media is being yeah. able to make those connections and that, that you otherwise couldn't like the fact that I could reach out to you guys and, you know, and you were so, you were so generous with give, giving me a response and now having me on the show and, I think that's so cool like that I, I live in a completely different country, but we're able to make this connection with each other like that. That's the that's the beauty of the Internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always a dark. I mean, there's there is definitely a dark side, but I absolutely love that part of it. And thank thank you, David, for basically he's he d- does all of the social media management and interactions and all that. So <laughs> I don't have to worry about any of that. And part of it's because I don't necessarily know how it works. I and I, I just feel like David's a little bit better at, at handling it, getting back to people and understanding how how outreach works and how promotion of posts and, and scheduling things. It's just it's not in my in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when we saw, I think 
we share accounts and so I'll get notifications. And so when we got Jim's notification that he commented back and said, hey, sorry guys, look, I totally dropped the ball on this. Um, let's set up a time to be on. I screenshotted that and I sent it to him. <laughs> I said, is this for real? Is this Jim Atkins? Uh, and then he, we ended up you know, DMing back and forth and it wouldn't have been possible maybe through email, but it's just so much slower that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if only it could all be that beautiful and that positive and there wasn't that whole dark side, which, and that's the part that I avoid too. I mean, I, I choose not to go down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it also, David's my big filter as far as, uh, being that, that person in between all the people on the outside of our account and then what gets through. Um, cause it can get, I mean, it can get messy. I mean, there's, we don't, we don't have a huge following, but mm-hmm. we have enough to where we're conversing back and forth with people and they expect responses and interaction. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at too. And I'm a hundred percent with you. It's, it's people like you, David, and my partner, Kylie, who are manning the whole social media email correspondence. It's just like, that is not in my wheelhouse. I, I, <laughs> I so love having that person in my life. I'm so grateful yeah. for that person. Right. It, is, <laughs> it, is, it is the work that needs to be done that I don't want to do. Yeah, <laughs> totally. well, I appreciate you and we all appreciate Kylie in her work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, just, I, I wanted to ask you guys quickly about having, having Jim on the show. I listened to, I listened to that episode. What, what was that like for you guys leading up to that? Like, did you just like pinch yourselves several times that like, this is happening I can't believe this is happening. Like what, what was just your mindset and your, and your thoughts and feelings leading up to actually having a conversation with Jim? Well, did we, did we sit down? We, we it was like this. So we only recently, I'd say in the last 50 to 60 episodes that we started actually doing the video thing. I feel mm-hmm. like we didn't do the video thing for a long time. I was just, I, I didn't think like it was we necessary. We weren't on but Zoom now that, too. We, we went on a bunch of different VoIP things. Yeah. We landed we on Zoom. We were on Zoom. Skype. I forget and how or what. Oh, Jim was the reason we landed on Zoom. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. And so we were on 15 or 20 minutes before preparing and we were in these same spots and it was, it was one of those moments where we were like, is this really happening? And we were counting down or five minutes out is he going to call and then we got an email from him he was having problems logging into our account so he had to give us access to his zoom you know we were going into his and he didn't have a pro account so we had to stop after 40 minutes and like at that the last two or three minutes before he signed on was a blur and then when mm-hmm. he popped in and you, you see the little gray box and it's you know it says jim atkins and like lowercase it's it's not all you know doesn't he doesn't care about case all he cares about is the fact that <laughs> the account works like, i don't know i set up a um, <laughs> yeah and he's then he's there and, and that and that moment once he got on i think david and i were both we were awestruck it was pretty clear yeah <laughs> i think our patrons got to look at the uh the video of us doing the interview but mm. just going back to that yeah it was it was we called him the man like the man like he, the man is gonna be here any moment now <laughs> Because it's like, how else do you re- you refer to this guy that's just like, you, you've, I don't want to say idolized, but we've just been centering our whole, every week for the last yeah. few years on this guy mm-hmm. and his band. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience to talk with him. And we went in planning for it to be a very, just let's go sit down, let's go sit down at a table, have some coffee and talk about some stuff. Man, what, mm-hmm. what did you say? Like a couple of dads talking with. A bunch of dads talking about uh, stuff. So, I, I mean, I asked him questions about his belt and coffee questions, things that we felt weren't asked in interviews. And mm. it felt like such a, a to me, such a an organic 
process from start to finish. And I still feel like we didn't take too much of his time. It was just, it was a, we wrapped it up when we should have. Um, we even got some, some stuff talk. We talked about stuff for him for like 20 minutes after we closed down the episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was, I was in awe and, and my wife said the same. I mean, she knew it was happening. So she was like <laughs> at the window looking inside and <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. Susie, what about you, David? Me. Um, I feel like, um, the the time between the interview and releasing it was crazier than the time before actually doing the interview. <laughs> listening back at the end of the interview, we're like, oh, I think that went pretty well. And then you listen back and you're like, oh, my God, no, <laughs> it's so bad. Like it's we're basically yeah. Chris Farley in that SNL sketch with Paul McCartney, like the entire time telling it. You, you remember? Remember when you made that song and it was so good? Oh, man, that was awesome. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we uh, we went through so I I that was probably Justin hated me that week because my editor brain came out and I was like we need to recut this entire thing and make it feel not awkward and uh, mm. what we ended up with was actually much closer to the original interview, um, which I'm really happy about but we cut a lot of like gaps and and awkwardness out <laughs> right and I think that you know and, and for an episode like that we put it up at the t- we put the interview up at the top just because of it it was Jim. And mm-hmm. the fact that we put all that extra time, if it was an extra 10 hours, maybe that you and I collectively spent going back and forth with edits and stuff, it was all worth it because that's one thing that we have set. It's out there. It's in, you know, it's in the people have listened to it. People have digested it and, and heard it. And it's the the best thing that David and I agreed it could have been and what we had produced. And um, so, yeah, it was in the moment. I think hearing, hey, let's try this or hey, let's try this was a little hard for me to hear at, like, you know, the 12th or 13th time. But look, it was I knew I, you know, I may have given him a little bit of guff in that moment, but I knew that it was for the best. And when when it was released in that moment that it came out on that Friday morning, uh, midnight, I guess, you know, it's just like, what's going to happen today? Who's going to talk about it? Where is it going to show up? And we just looked at metrics all day and then just kind of who (laughs) shared it and who said what. And it's it's an amazing it was an amazing moment for us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. uh, And it's our most listened to episode. (laughs) <laughs> surprisingly yeah. Yeah. that's so great man yeah. man that's like that's such a special thing like i'm so happy for you guys that you got to have that opportunity and that experience and that jim was so like such a willing participant in it all yeah. and you know having listened to the episode like i i think I mean, I, I didn't think it, it sounded Chris Farley-ish, but <laughs> um, maybe that's the power of editing. But I know yeah. I, th- I thought it was a really great conversation that you guys had. And I'm, I, I think it's it's such a nice cherry on top of what you guys were already doing and are already doing with your podcast. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But, you know, like aside from having the band that the ultimate goal of like, let's just say uh, an ultimate goal would be to have all members of the band on. Um but really, it's more about, okay, yes, we've had Jim on, but all the people that we've met, and I'm talking about fans, people that support us, other content creators and podcasters like you that are interested in what we're doing, um, and then also just having a different kind of relationship with the band. Mitch Porter has been this, ever since we've reached out to him in the back, David's had kept this conversation open. He has given us just insight and these really things that no one else would ever know about the band. And he goes, yeah, this is something that we would, uh, we would warm up with. You know, this is one of those tracks. Um, and he had us guess it. We could, no one could guess it. And, uh, Oh, the cover song. Yeah. Yeah. So there's these things that he just comes in and says, yeah, this is an interesting thing. Or it's, it's not gym level content, but it's just someone that we met that can give us this insight 
on the band when and fact check there us wasn't, on the early days that there's yeah not a lot when of there's info. not a lot of stuff on that there's I mean maybe archive data but even then it's still that's when Jim was um I'm sorry Rick was Rick was in with playing bass and and Mitch Porter was out but he has all this insight to all the decades before they they really hit it and mm-hmm. meeting those people has been I mean when we talk on our last episode that's gonna I'm gonna just rehash this again but just the people that we've met along the way have been just as important to us as that interview with Jim you included so cool. Elliot oh man thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's so cool because yeah I mean like that's what ultimately makes Jimmy world Jimmy world is the people that support them and love them and spread the spread their word about them you know and so I I, I love that this is kind of a that your show is kind of the conduit to get more of that yeah. out into the world. I, and I think that that's, I think, I think that's awesome and it's important. And that's what made me excited about coming on the show is just talking with you guys about Jimmy world, something I don't, like I said, don't get to do very often in my, in my everyday <laughs> life. Well, we're glad to have you on board now. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. W- I don't want to forget to hit you with our normal questions that we usually hit guests with. Yes. Knowing that this to answer could change from day to day today which is elliot's favorite jimmy eat world record i i knew you were gonna ask this question <laughs> and i still feel I was, prepared for still it. not ready huh yeah. <laughs> um i think as of you as of today you asking me this question i would have to say clarity and i think what kind of solidifies that for me is that when they did the oh man uh, what were they called? The like Phoenix sessions that they just did with, they did surviving futures and clarity in yeah. full. Um, I, as soon as I saw they were doing that, I snapped up a ticket to watch the like live stream of clarity without even taking a beat to think about it. I'm just like, Oh no, I need to watch this. And I didn't feel that way about the other two records, even futures, which is an album that I totally love and adore. But there's just something about clarity and when I was listening to it initially and when I discovered it and then how it still sits with me, like that's kind of my ultimate summer album. Like as soon as the weather starts turning, I'm throwing on clarity. So and yeah, that's just like a solid album front to back, even though the your aesthetic, your new aesthetic is not as good as the demo version. But (laughs) that aside, yeah, I'd say it's clarity. Interesting that you 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 uh, we love categorizing records by seasons but it's interesting that that's a summer record for you um because it would be a very fall winter record for me yeah is it did you discover it in fall winter or is it just that's a really good question i don't know yeah because i came across it like beginning of summer so Mm. that's why yeah and i listened to it a lot with my girlfriend at the time and and it was a lot of time like spent i had like a a, a swing like a swing on the back of my porch oh, nice. that would just sit there and just like talk about how much but we love each other that's and listen the thing about records is like you you equate it with those those memories and those yeah. like it's indelibly tied to that yeah <laughs> it's hard to be objective you know 165 episodes into a podcast about <laughs> where yeah. when you first heard a record or when you because <laughs> uh we bounce around so much yeah so mm. clarity's the record which is the which is Elliot's favorite song today? Uh, I'm not just saying this because of the episode that I'm on, but I I think it's Roller Queen. Um, yeah. That song, it's like I mentioned before, it just hit a very special place in my heart the first time that I heard it, and has resonated with me ever since. And it's kind of like 
this song that I'm always happy to rediscover because because it's not so readily available. It kind of falls out of the rotation because it's on this kind of weird EP that I, I don't I don't like like Apple Music has changed the artwork for it and made it very weird and automated a bunch of stuff with it. So it's not like I just go to that. I typically go to their full albums first. So whenever I rediscover Roller Queen, I'm like, no, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't imagine uh, there's not a, a single bit of this band that we haven't touched on with this, uh, with this interview. So I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and I love I loved chatting with you about movies and, and music and everything. This was a blast. Yeah, this was, this was super fun. And thank you guys again for, yeah, just being like so generous with getting back to me and having me on the show. This was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm, I'm so stoked about everything you guys are doing. Like I'm going to be spreading the, the <laughs> E-pod word all over the place. Oh, uh, thanks, man. That if you're even the slightest Jimmy Eat World fan that you got to listen to this. That's oh, all we can ask. Thank you. <laughs> Where can yes. people find you on the internet? Because uh, you, I know you mentioned it earlier, but now, now as we start to wind down the interview, people might fast forward to the end and be like, "Where, where am I going to find him on the yeah. internet?" Uh, so yeah, podcast is called Bad Dad, Rad Dad. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. We drop a new episode every Thursday, um, and we're most active on Instagram, and you can reach us there at baddad.raddad. <laughs> 